Welcome to The Metal List, where we count down our top five personal favorites. A little bit of a different intro today, because... We need a logo. We need a fucking logo. So whether you're a graphic designer or maybe you just fuck around with Photoshop, we're going to have a contest running till the end of May? No. April. Oh my God. <laughs> all the way to first weekend of May. And we'll take all submissions of any kind. But hit us up with all your submissions. We're, we're open to anything. Send all your submissions to medalistpodcast at gmail.com. If we choose yours, obviously you'll get credit everywhere where we're available. All social media in the show notes of the show. You'll also get a free t-shirt when we get some shirts made or whatever merch we have. Until then, what time is it, Jason? I'm ready for some fucking God hammered. And now your hosts, David Dilo Lopez and Jason Smith. This is The Metalist. Hi, and thanks for joining us whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this, The Metalist Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jason. Our very special guest today also is David. Everybody say hi to David Johnson. What's good? So today we're talking about a band very near and dear to all our hearts, all the way from Stockholm, Sweden, or thereabout. We're talking about Opeth. Keep firing, Davids! Okay. Spaceballs. Anyway, I'm surrounded by Davids. Yep. Yeah, that is true. You That's haven't seen Spaceballs? I haven't seen it in a long time. Oh, I was just yeah, yeah. saying, whoa. I saw a video of Pizza the Hut the other day, and I remember it from when I was a little kid, but I'm like, man, this is fucking disgusting. <laughs> and I guess that's mission <laughs> it's accomplished. It's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. is Jabba. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is true. Oh, no, there's just something <laughs> vulgar about Pizza the Hut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's, a, that's a good uh, yeah, word for true. it. Yeah, true. Yeah. That is true. I don't know, man. There's something pretty fucking vulgar about Jabba. There is. Ugh. Getting all creepy with Carrie Fisher. Rest in yeah, peace. Big rapey slug. Yeah. Band name. Uh, <laughs> Rape of, slug? Yeah. Oh, no. TM. I, that's mine. Yeah. I'm taking that one. I think Rape you need slug. to put big in there, too, though. Speaking of weird band names, what was your first introduction to Opeth, David? My first... See, I my introduction to Opeth is a little strange because I didn't get into them as a death metal band. My first introduction uh, to Opeth was when Pale Communion came out. No kidding. Um, and I got into them because I uh, had heard the record that Michael Ackerfeld did with Stephen Wilson. Is that Storm Corrosion? Storm Corrosion, okay. yeah. Because I had heard that because I'm, I'm a big prog rock fan and I love Stephen Wilson. I love... Um, uh, porcupine tree and whatnot. Uh, I heard that storm corrosion record, and that got me onto Michael Ackerfeld. And then I, about that time, uh, Pale Communion uh, came out. Uh, so I started listening to that, and I thought that out record was phenomenal. So um, that got me into like Opeth's back catalog, and I was like, oh shit, this is a death metal band. Yeah, yeah. I was Pale Communion when they were still on um, Roadrunner too. I think so. It's like uh, it's one of their more recent records. Okay. Like they've, I think they've had two after that. Sorceress and uh, I, I can't even pronounce the name. What is it? In Clouda, 
Venom. Yeah, something something Swedish for all the Swedish homies that know what that means. I've seen what it means. I just can't remember. Incauda Venunum. Yeah, with a bunch of strange marks on the letters and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jason, how about you? Uh, probably 2003, I guess. Same as like Soilwork and Flames. At, well, I guess I heard at the gates before that. But Soilwork and Flames, Killswitch Engage. That date will come up a lot for on this show because that was at a time when, especially for file sharing, it was, there was just, I don't know. I, I feel like when file sharing was around, that was when better programs were coming out. And so I could download a shitload of stuff, like, fucking all at once, all the time. I had fucking shit downloading 24 by 7, dude. Like, it's fucking nuts, dude. So, let's see. So I'd, I'd seen the cover art for Blackwater Park on a big full-page ad, and I fucking love that album cover so much. And, you know, I don't think I ever really fucking saw the name on the fucking album. Like, I think I only saw on the pictures, just the, you know, Blackwater Park. I don't remember seeing the name at all. I could it didn't, see how it didn't look familiar points. at all. I just, you know, you find one band, you're getting on a website, you start looking at, well, what other fucking bands, you know? And I mean, Opeth's name was there. Speaking of, is it Opeth or Opeth? How do you say it? I, I say it, I, I did say it Opeth, and then as time went on, I started saying it Opeth. I've always, always called heard. it Opeth, but uh, yeah, yeah I, it's I, something out of a fucking... Yeah, I've always it heard it as Opeth. Something, yeah. as a, something out of a book. Not Tolkien, though, but I can't okay. remember what it was. It was right around that time, and one thing I really, I guess, that caught my ear about it was, for one, I mean, they were more deathy than a lot of those other fucking bands, and a uh, big thing was they were so different than, I mean, like Meshuga, they were so different. For that area, like, they were a lot different than those other bands. They didn't have the standard melodic death metal Iron Maiden-y type riffs, not, not by Blackwater Park. That was the first album I heard, and... They almost had more of a, even back then, they had more like 70s style riffs, more like Genesis type stuff, King Crimson's, you know, not that I'm a huge King Crimson fan by any means, but, you know, Jethro Tull and stuff like that, where they had kind of more of like these rock fucking riffs with metal drums and obviously death metal fucking vocals. And then the 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 way he fucking cleans sings like is just amazing but we'll get to that in a little bit what is your first exposure to opeth i mean around same time same era i definitely it was you know file sharing was tandem with this but also like those free mp3s that you would see on like century media's website or something like that or just oh yeah so i remember seeing about bloodbath and opeth at the same time and i and i actually heard bloodbath first ways to the grave off of resurrection through carnage Awesome album still. Then I heard stuff off of Blackwater Park, but the one that really, really grabbed me. You know when you hear something for the first time and you're like, okay, I like this. But then you hear something else by them later on or so it takes time to really grasp what they're doing. And then you say, oh, no, I love this. Was hearing uh, Deliverance, the title track from that album on Music Choice, Rest in Peace. I don't know if it's still a thing or not. But then really hearing, you know, the dynamics in that band at the forefront in a way that was a little easier to consume <clears throat> than some of their other stuff. And then from there, I'm just like, oh, shit, I need to hear the entire catalog. And, you know, I've been a fan ever since. And that was 2002, I guess. I thought it was 2001, but I looked up when Resurrection Through Carnage came out, and apparently it was 2002. So, year off. But, yeah, I mean, so we're talking about the same time era when all the when Swedish bands were all the rage, just not seemingly out of nowhere. But well, yeah, was, I almost feel like the whole reason they became so fucking big was because all of a sudden everybody had a way to listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. There was, 
it was very difficult to get your hands on almost anything European, you know, without paying $25 for the, you know, $22 for a fucking import album. Yeah. It was pretty difficult to fucking get your hands on. I mean, unless you, like I said, unless you really had the money and you really had the drive, like, oh, wait, I got to hear this fucking band. Like, so for the most part, it was like you would see ads, you know, when I was a kid. I mean, even something like Yngwie Malmsteen. You see the ads, you hear about this fucking great guitar player, Yngwie Malmsteen. Now, he, I mean, they did get some play on MTV, but not a whole lot. And it was something that you could just easily overlook. You know, and with file sharing, two things happen. One, no one listens to one thing for very long. So you're always looking for new shit. And then for two, the ease at which you can get it. So I feel like that was a major, major fucking part of a lot of these bands getting big here. And then you're in, you know, and we're just getting them for like, I'm hearing them for the first time in 2003 and I'm finding out like fucking in flames and soil work. I mean, they've been bands for a long fucking time. Especially In Flames, you know, and Opeth had been bands for quite a while. And I think they started in, like, 89. Yeah, it's, it's just like, fuck, man, like, that shit's fucking cool as shit. So you had, that was the other thing, you have a lot to go back through. And with Opeth in particular, it's a lot to digest, dude. I yeah. mean, I don't know, like, what the flow of this conversation should go like. Are you are you guys huge like, are you guys big Opeth fans? Like, would you consider yourself an Opeth fan? Yes, but I think the stuff that I'm huge on is, like, you know, there's a window to it. I, I'm, that, I'm that guy, and it seems to be the case with a lot of people where it starts at Blackwater Park, and then it kind of really kind of climaxes around um, Ghost Reveries. Like, like, there's good stuff on Watershed, but you can kind of tell they were having a transitional period at that point. But, I mean, that run, go, you know, Blackwater Park, Deliverance, and Damnation, and uh, go, Ghost Reveries is fucking solid in my book, and I think that would be shared by a lot of people. And then at the same time, I know a lot of people include those first four albums in that discussion, if not more so than certainly with those other four albums. And, and I like them, but not to that degree. But maybe if I actually spent, like, way more time with them, because I was noticing, oh, man, there's just so much to digest in those first four albums, you know? And then everything they've done since is definitely a personal preference thing at that point. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Opeth. I'm just not, like, that fan energy. Like, it's not my favorite band, you know? I mean, personally, I love all their records. The only one I, I, I have a hard time listening to is Orchid. Mm, okay. The, that very first one. It seemed... It's, it's really meandering. I feel like they they lean too hard on riffs for too long, and yes. it's just hard. that 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 one's the only one that's like hard for me to listen to. The rest of them I can sit there and listen to all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not really like a huge Opeth fan at all. I mean, one major reason why I mean, spoiler, nothing off Damnation, the mellow one. Nothing off that made my list solely because, and I love that stuff, but solely because I have to be in a certain mood to listen to it. And yeah, I mean. I see it in a couple chunks. I see the first three albums as one thing, and then the big change for me, seeing the big change was Still Life. And for me, your your run starts with Still Life, not with Blackwater Park. And you can hear as those that the the run you're talking about, where they're at now, you can totally fucking see it coming, like a mile fucking away. Yeah, you know, like I mean, it's not. It, it so when so they announced when they were gonna fucking you know we're not gonna have any more fucking death vocals it's gonna be clean vocals only like the there's two things I thought of one was well no shit I mean that seems pretty obvious 
you know, they've had plenty of songs where like he is clean singing more than he's screaming. Mm -hmm. And no matter, even if it's one of the heavier songs, one of the lighter songs, doesn't matter. And then the other thing I thought was, I hope they don't just turn into Porcupine Tree. Because they they have a lot of stuff on like Ghost Reveries and Watershed that are really getting into like Porcupine Tree territory. And I know that, you know, I mean, obviously we mentioned Storm Corrosion. And, you know, fucking Stephen Wilson was producing their albums and stuff. So it would be pretty easy for them to just kind of go into that, you know, even basically being like a, a slightly heavier version of Porcupine Tree. Those are the two main things I thought. And then, you know, after listening to it, I just, I guess we'll go there. Like, how do we feel about it now? And it's like, I don't like it, but I don't like that fucking style as much. And I also don't think that, um, for me, the problem with the newer stuff is I'm not a big King Crimson fan. I'm not a big fucking, like, Jethro Tull fan. I'm not a huge prog fan. Like, because a lot of it is... Actually, we're going to get into that in just a minute. How do you feel about the new stuff, d It's fine. I, I, you know, the writing was on the wall as far as their transition out of death metal. I mean, you could... I, it's the ratio of that to uh, to more traditional prog rock on Watershed was very evident. You know, like he could see what was coming down the road. And at the time, you were like, well, Michael's got his outlet for his death metal vibe in um, Bloodbath. And it's funny to think, you know, at the time, he also would have had that outlet in Storm Corrosion, but that would have been a collaborative thing, not Opeth, so to speak. If I do listen to it, it's background music, or if I'm trying to, like, sleep, it's pretty sleep-conducing. Not the new record, actually. That one that one creeps me out too much. <laughs> but, but you know, Heritage, Pale Communion, and Sorceress, like, like I'll, I won't even listen to them, like, in order. I'll, like, just throw them together in a playlist, and I'll hit shuffle, and, like, it's it's a pretty fun listen. Um, it's not as interesting, that's for sure. It's not it's not as unique. I think in the past we've talked about, you know, the difference between an album like Damnation and, the, and those other three, at the very least, not including the new one, is... Um, Damnation had a more unique Opeth sound that was kind of hinted at, and there's you know more quiet, slow passages throughout their career. Whereas everything they've done since is definitely evocative of the '70s. And listening to it back, I was like, but it's still got a little bit of their touch on it. But it is that specific, you know, Moog synthesizers and Damnation sounds like a metal band doing mellow songs. Yeah, yeah. The new stuff sounds like a rock band. Yes. Yeah. Doing progr- like prog rock songs. That's. That's the difference, and mm. I prefer you know, a metal band doing mellow songs. I guess. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. What about you? Because so the, yeah, this is the first stuff you heard. So yeah, the, my introduction to Opeth was the prog rock, and I was already a big fan of King Crimson, Jethro Tull, and Rush, and all that fun stuff. So when I when I heard Pale Communion, it was just like, oh, this is just the stuff I like from the '70s, but it's being made now, and it's got good production. Yeah. Jens Bagren, I think. I think it's still him. I don't know. So I, I personally, I love their prog records just as much as I like their uh, their death metal records. Uh, it's just, I, I don't know. It, it feels like how is this not a your band? band, dude? Like you like death metal, you like prog rock. <laughs> so I'm like, how is this not like the biggest boner band for you? It's it's complicated. It it's just. Uh, Oh no, I like a lot of different flavors, and Opeth is just like one flavor, so it, I don't... Honestly, I there isn't like a band for me, really. Ah, uh, okay. So, like, I, I listen to so much stuff all the time, that, like, I can't just sit around in one place, I'll get bored. 
I think we sit. I think we said in the Misfits episode how I just can't figure out how I like Misfits because like everything on paper, it just goes against everything that it's it's all the stuff I don't like. Yeah. But for some reason, it all comes together for them and only them, and I like it. And it's. I mean, I get that, and I also understand too. So, how old are you? I'm 26. 26. Yeah. So, I definitely notice like as I talk to younger and younger and younger people. The musical ADD fucking is a bigger thing. And again, that's file sharing, that's streaming. You don't ever have... Like, I used to fucking always say, like, there won't be... Like, after Slipknot, there won't be another fucking... I don't, I don't, I don't think there will be another band quite as unifyingly popular, at least in metal, like that. Because they were the fucking... They were right at the fucking edge of the file sharing and pre-file sharing. First album came out at the height of CD sales. <laughs> yeah, so everything after that, it's going to be hard to get that fucking big because... There's just so much out nowadays. You well, it's not so that there's so much out. It's that you have access to Yeah. There was always bands. There's always been lots of bands. But there's no... Like, when I was a kid, dude, I mean, you sit and fucking listen to the same 20 tapes, like, over and over and over. And if you... If you don't like it, you just get rid of it. It doesn't need to be in your collection. Like, you know, it's like, okay, I don't like this. You legit just throw it away. And you really find out what you love really fast. You find out what you hate really fast. Now, it's just like, fuck, you don't even actually have to click the fucking track, man. You could just sit and hold it down with your thumb. And it'll just play like a little preview. And it's just like, holy fuck, dude. Like, so... It's never been easier to fucking check out music. It's never been easier to find music, but it's also never been harder to sit and listen to music because everything is available. So I have my next question, especially being a prog rock guy, I'm, I'm really curious your answer on this one. So I kind of started wondering with Opeth and just uh, some of the, I don't know what you call them, not necessarily prog stuff, but I mean even like tech, like overly technical stuff. It's hard for me. I know it's it's actually hard for everybody at the table because we are all musicians. Mm-hmm. There's there's certain bands to me that are just they're musician bands, like they're musician boner bands. I always wondered if non musicians like those bands. <clears throat> Grant, I'm sure there's plenty of people that aren't musicians that like Opeth. I'm just saying, like, do, okay, the people who do listen, non musicians that do listen to Opeth, I want to know why. Yeah, for sure. Is it? You just have a different level of fucking song. I don't want to say appreciation because that's... I mean, I know people that appreciate the fuck out of Big Sean and Eminem and Lil Wayne and all those fucking guys. I appreciate that shit, too. I'm not saying you you don't appreciate it, but do they just have a different... Because it is a whole different level of songwriting. To the point where even some musicians have a hard time with it. And there's a lot of stuff where it's, like, uninteresting to me because it's not fucking cool. You know, and that's the non-musician side. The musician side says, holy fuck, like, I can't believe they're playing this. But then the non-musician side's like, this shit is whack, though. <laughs> I feel uh, you. The, they, uh, they definitely don't deliver hooks as, uh, as often as, like, your, your standard fare. It's, um... I don't know. For me personally, the the reason I like prog is is the same reason I like uh, so much technical death metal is that it's it is more complex than what I can produce myself currently, and it's it is interesting seeing people who are able to do these things with technical death metal. It's the the physicality, of, like the performance of these incredibly intricate pieces, 
And then with bands like Opeth and just Prague in general, it's uh, the complexity is may not be in the performance, but it's in the uh, the composition. So it's basically it's that's the other thing. I was like, is it just music for music nerds? It might be, because <laughs> you know, that's what I was trying. I guess musician boner was the bad word, not bad, the wrong term. Music nerds. That's yeah. the term I was trying to get. I've been thinking about it for like the last like fucking two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but I, I always wonder like with stuff like that, how yeah. why is Opeth? Why you know it, it makes sense that there's like somewhat of a barrier to entry for stuff like that. But why did Opeth get so big? You know, as big as they have with that in mind. Same, not to the same degree, but with Between the Buried and Me, whereas these other bands are just like, well, what about, you know, the, the big one everybody always talks about and, like, they gets lumped in with progressive metal, even though that's just, like, the iceberg tip is King's X, man. Like, those guys on paper should be huge, but I understand right, right. why they're not either, you know what I mean? Um, well, Mastodon's another one that got really big, and they're pretty fucking progressive, too. Like, in, yeah. I mean, I don't like Mastodon, but for some reason I like Opeth. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously there's that... They're but yeah, how different. did they not get, you know what I mean? Like, there, there's a lot of bands like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, now, I feel like when Opeth started releasing stuff, there wasn't that same marriage of uh, progressive music and death metal. True. Yeah. Like, that just it wasn't really a thing yet. Yeah, I would argue like that nobody's hear... done it the same since. Oh, really not, but you still see like people trying nowadays. Absolutely. It, it's, it's a lot more common to see uh, death metal bands try to uh, put together more complicated uh, compositions that aren't just like slams and breeze, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's because that's, an, that's another thing, man. I mean, they have the one song, I can never remember the name of it, but it's on fucking Morning Rise. It's the 20-minute song. Oh, what the fuck is it called? I mean, I listened to it three times. Is it the second song? I think no, it's um, no, it's Black Rose Immortal. Yeah, Black okay. Rose Immortal. I listened to it like three fucking times, and I was like, dude, if I was not a musician, this would not interest me at all. This, it's not a twenty-minute song. It's like fucking five four-minute songs because mm -hmm. there's no real through line, and you know, and then obviously they probably haven't perfected it yet because by the time you get to something like, I think it's Deliverance, where it's like twelve minutes or no, Grand Conjuration. It's definitely cohesive. It's one fucking song that's like you know twelve, thirteen minutes. Yeah. They they I mean they definitely got better at doing what they were doing. Yeah. You know, but you know, Mashuga I like it's a whole fucking EP and it's a fucking what thirty minute song or twenty eight minute song. Yeah. I mean that one has a a bit of a through line. It it at least doesn't really fucking change much. But that one gets boring in the sense that it doesn't change enough. When you're having really long songs, something has to happen in that song. It needs to take you somewhere. In fact, it needs to take you to a few places. Yeah. But you I, have to be riding in the same car. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. It's like some of their earlier stuff, it's we're jumping into different cars and it's just like, wait a minute, what? That, But I can still, I think the only reason I still enjoy that shit is because I'm still a musician and I am a music nerd. And I do listen to stuff that satisfies my music nerd. And so, like, I've always wanted to know, for, like, non-musicians, like, is it just, you just have a whole different level? Do you really love this fucking band? Or is it band you just like every once in a while? But for the most part, you like traditional type structures of songs. Yeah. I mean, there's also radio edit versions of some of those songs, too, that maybe that's how they hear them at first. Right. And I mean, now they're definitely in the more rock spectrum and they do get out there, but, like, it's not... I don't know. It, it's it's easier to do in the rock spectrum, I think, because so so many more instruments are okay. 
You know what I mean? Like, you know, where, because you can throw in a lot of synth stuff too with more rock stuff, where back in the day, especially back when their first fucking like three albums were out, you kind of, that you're, you're walking a fucking fine line there because there's a lot of people in metal that don't like keyboards. So mm-hmm. in the metal spectrum, it's like, yeah, it's hard to throw in, you know, when they were very good about throwing in acoustics, I mean, it helps that they sound amazing. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, the production on all of their stuff. I mean, even the early stuff for what was being done at that time, it almost has like a little bit of that black metal fucking necro vibe to it. Some of the earlier, earlier stuff. But I mean, they still weren't back then. I mean, they weren't throwing in like the, all the organ sounds and shit like that. Like, and like- uh, as they went on, I feel like they were able, they were able to do more stuff because of where people were at as far as like with music in general. It may just be them growing and experimenting more. It also feels like to me earlier in like when they, when like Orca came out, just like the production styles and the t- like guitar tones that were just in the zeitgeist at the time didn't really allow a lot of space within the track for additional instrumentation. Right. It, that, that, that early death metal guitar sound really dominates a lot of the, the soundscape. It doesn't really give you room to do anything else. Yeah, true. And that's one thing I think that probably, especially with Orchid, when you say it's hard to listen to, I mean... Yeah, the guitar sounds not that great. The bass sounds really weird. Yes, I noticed that in a whole <laughs> different way. The bass sound is before. so weird on that album. Yeah, I think in fact I think it's kind of strange on on Morning Rise also. But I think some of the stuff on Morning Rise they were trying to use a little more some effects on the bass mm-hmm. to almost like simulate yeah. the keyboard. The bass work on Morning Rise is like my favorite part of that record. Yeah, exactly. Who and I don't even know who does it. Is it? Is it? Oh, um, Oh fuck! I got it right here. Yeah, thanks. I was just like, oh, you know, all the these key the players name? on the first few albums, and you're just like, man, well, I don't know there are, any of these guys. So, so it is Johan de Farfalla. Okay, yeah, the Very first Swedish. there's the first people that kind of started the thing, and then all of a sudden it's like, bam, we just hit this solid. And that, oddly enough, when they hit the solid lineup, that's when they really fucking hit their peak. Um, so there's definitely something to be said about stability mm-hmm. and con- you know with consistency. It's also, uh, I mean, right now I'm surrounded by David's. Uh, Michael is surrounded by Martin's. Mm-hmm. So there's Martin Lopez and Martin Mendez, who joined at the same time. Mm-hmm. They Funny story, they took down the ad. Did you see that story? No. What was I've it? known this one for yeah, a long um, time. They took the ad down. So they, they, they basically saw the ad in the music store, and then they took it down so no one else could respond to it. Oh, they did it? <laughs> yeah, so the Martins did. That's yeah. awesome. I'm not, I didn't know that. And then they got the gig, and I was like, oh, fucking right on. Like, And they were, you know, they, they had their thing, and then, you know, Lopez uh, left due to, you know, anxiety, panic attacks, that sort of thing, and they got Axenrot, who I, I just knew Axenrot from, I think, Bloodbath. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm trying to remember which he was in at first. It probably was Bloodbath, because I mean, like even Bloodbath at this point is just ridiculous member changes and whatnot. You never forget that name, dude. That's yeah. I don't yeah know. Is that sure. a real name? I think so, because because his nickname in Bloodbath is, is just Axe. Yeah. 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 No, that's his name. Yeah, uh, Eric like, Martin Axenrod. Party. <laughs> that's a sick last name, dude. Yeah, man. He 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 wins. So you know, then then uh, what's the guy um, <clears throat> Limburg? The Pe- old guitar Pear? player? Yeah, the old guitar yeah, player. Pear? I, I Pear? think so, yeah. I think it's Pear. Yeah. You know, I mean, fuck, he was with them for a long time, and mm-hmm. then it was just like he's, you know, and then he's out, and I don't know who the guy is now, but that was kind of around the change, right? And then... Oh, um, the guy that replaced him? Yeah. That was around, was it Watershed or was it Ghost Reveries? I thought it was Watershed, because I've never been going. I'm pretty sure the other guy before. was on Ghost Reveries, so... 
you know, and I always wondered how much does that guy contribute as far as like writing? Yeah. You know, and it's hard to tell because as far as I've ever known, this is like kind of Akerfeld's fucking, yeah. you know, it's Akerfeld's baby. I mean, as far as like what he's doing. Yeah. Martin Mendez came out and said part of the reason he wants to do White Stones, his, his new band, is because he never actually submitted music for OPEF, yeah. knowing that it is kind of Michael Akerfeld's thing. That's super funny considering the way like the band started where Ackerfeld was brought in mm-hmm. by uh, David Iceberg without the rest of the band knowing, and they're just like, yeah. the fuck is this guy? We're out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they actually right. quit to form another band. Yeah, I'm like, band well, left. that's a real chicken just... shit way to kick your fucking singer out. See, Entombed and Unleashed. <laughs> yeah, pretty that's much. a different episode. Yeah. yeah, that's something I thought one of my bands was doing to me. Everybody mm-hmm. fucking, I thought the band was breaking up, and then I hear they're all jamming. I'm like, whoa, did they, like, chicken shits just kicked me out. Mm-hmm. You know, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> Yeah, we could make up. a whole list just based on instances of that. Oh yeah, dude. Like, but that's that's the thing. It's like it's the breakup over text. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the dear John letter, you know, or that's, John Deere, whatever that joke was. Yeah. When you have fucking, especially music like this, I mean, you really have to be like on the same page with someone else. I mean, because again, it's not hooky. It's not. You know, it's probably not going to get you all the fucking chicks. It's not the coolest thing to play. It is a bit music nerd stuff. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, you you either got to really just be like, you know what? I just fucking love this fucking music. And I've always wanted to play this kind of stuff. Or, you know, and then some of it's like, I just really like. There's something about the way you work with this in other individual or other individuals that makes your job just a little bit easier, which is something that Akerfeld yeah. said about. Um, he did have some kind words for Mendez saying, you know, he, that he just, like, they just clicked. And it was so easy to work with him. And a lot of that could be like, okay, I mean, I just wrote this crazy fucking song. Now I need to try and, like, explain to my bass player, A, the song. B, possibly, if he doesn't have something for it, I have to, now I'm responsible to say, like, hey, well, you know, you should play this or you should play that. And, and trying to convey that and have him understand it. So, yeah, if you if you can get on the same fucking page that way, definitely a fucking big deal. So, real quick, or not real quick, not real quick. I mean, let's, I just kind of want to get into this because this is the first time I believe we've had a guest come in with a specific, very specific question that they brought to the table. And I was so fucking stoked that you fucking said it because... I just like that you had a fucking topic that you wanted to fucking discuss, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So, explain what your topic was. So, there's there's been this term that's been used. It's been ubiquitous within metal since its very beginning. It's, the, it's heavy. What the hell does heavy mean? Mm. We've been using this since, uh, since Sabbath. 50 years now. And... Uh, I feel like nobody actually has like we we refer to all these bands and it's a good thing, but we no one can really quantify what it actually means. What what makes something something heavy? Mm-hmm. In in terms of Sabbath, it was definitely in the weight of those riffs and that level of distortion, which is funny to think. For a long time after that, dude, you look at a lot of bands that are called heavy metal, and uh, if there's the meme, if you guys remember the Raptor meme, where it's the Raptor looking oh, with the hand up to the Velociraptor. Is that what he's called? Okay, yeah, yeah. I like that. Going, 
Isn't it funny that heavy metal is arguably the least heavy genre of metal? You know what I mean? Because if you get into like Maiden, dude, like that's totally true. They're not they're not heavy at all. They're like like arguably the opposite end of like say the spectrum from a sugar or something like that. I also think there is something to the heaviness of maybe the subject matter or the mood. But I mean, nine times out of ten, when you're talking heavy to me, I'm definitely thinking the weight of those yeah. riffs and Larry's. For so, me, it's. There, there. It's like we, it's we use the same word, but there's lots of different versions of heavy. There's lots of different ways something could be heavy. You could, it could be heavily distorted. It could be using, re, uh, like the composition is using really dark sounds and really dark scales and modes. It could be just like an emotional weight, um, really heavy subject matter. And even now, I'm still using that word to describe it. That like I have no other. And verbiage. you use other words to describe dark. You you could use sinister. Yeah. But not everything that is heavy is dark. Yeah. yeah not everything that's heavy is heavy. has that sinister sounds evil. It's a really really difficult thing to explain. I fucking have been tripping on this for a while. I actually went to fucking Reddit to see if there's any fucking buddy on there. That, I mean, I didn't make the thread. I, I looked up a thread on there. There was already there's already one there. And I mean, it's fucking goes forever. I mean, and really, I guess the only thing I could really fucking say is it kind of depends on what the person defines heavy as. Because, yeah, for you, you said like you there's a, a lot of different ways for something to be heavy. For me, heavy is only the music. There are heavy lyrics, but you will never... For what I consider heavy, you will never be able to have heavy-ass lyrics over top of a fucking light, happy song. Not happy, but a mellower fucking type song, and it'll still be heavy to me. Where you can have the weakest-ass lyrics ever. You can not even have lyrics. You put it over fucking top of the heaviest music ever, and it's going to be fucking heavy to me. So it's always music. I think some yeah, it's... It's the fucking. So it's a it's a the sonic element of it's like not, the instrument. Yeah, and it's not a speed thing. Yeah, for I remember for because a while that for, was a thing with a lot of people. Dude, every I, my whole fucking life it's been like fucking oh like you know especially because I mean I was the I was the death metal guy and I liked a lot of the faster stuff and you know and everybody's like oh it's just not as fucking heavy because it's faster you know and it, they used to you know super aggressive or like you know friends of you know we always had this discussion what's the difference between hard and what's the difference between heavy and and I mean so there was that thing it was like if if the faster it goes the less heavy it can be I definitely see where they're coming from on that. It is, there's something about when you just hit this certain fucking tempo range mm-hmm. that just, it just fucking gets most people. And it reminds me of something Dr. Dre said years ago. Um, he used to make beats in, and I honestly don't remember the BPM, but it was when, so he had the big fucking hit, the fucking hit with Mary J. Blige, Family Affair, and he had, I think, a hit with Eve. So he, he was kind of a little bit... He he was still doing the rap stuff with Eminem, but all of a sudden, man, he all of a sudden like just blew up as far as like with a couple R and B acts and stuff. And at the time, people were you know it, it had leaked out like you know Dr. Dre. I mean, he's selling fucking beats for a million dollars a beat. And you know he came out and said like I mean okay I have these set beats that are like a million dollar beats, but they're I mean these are like hit fucking this is hit shit. And that's what some of those artists, you know, grabbed or whatever. And, and you know, and again, it's all rumor mill, so it might not have been fully a million, but uh, you know, it was really expensive. 
And he had said something about fucking he makes those beats at a certain BPM and that BPM matches with the average resting heartbeat because if you can feel it with your heart, you're, you're just, you're going to feel it more. And I think that's why people like something a little more mid-tempo to slow mm-hmm. as being heavier it, because you feel the weight. I, 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 I don't know how you put weight in music. Yeah. I mean, and I mean like, not weight as far as like uh, what do you call it? Anyway, there's there's a word for it, but I don't mean like poundage. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, how many times way. have you heard the generic ass beat down bands that don't have anything to them? You know what I mean? Yeah, and they're always heavy. Like yeah. no matter what, dude. Like there's there's definitely a fucking standard thing that you could do that will pretty much always be fucking heavy as long as yes, the distortion in the guitar. How maybe that's what's like instead of the heavier guitars you can say like to what level is the distortion or what level of gain do those guitars have on them some people say stuff has to be lower to be fucking heavy i don't think so i think there's plenty of heavy shit in fucking e and you know drop d whatever yeah dillinger's all in e i think maybe not after a certain point but all their old shit 43 percent burnt is is in e standard trip on that right i mean that's I don't, know, I don't think it has anything to do with the tuning same like there's a lot of people that do like they're just you know now because you have like a lot of these fucking uh down tempo bands like you know B- black tongue and distant and traders and fucking tongue. like all this stuff they're tuned really low and it really works for what they're doing but i don't think that stuff's any heavier than like hate breed <laughs> that's a bad example because i think they're a fucking like b or something i think uh, they're well, yeah, you know, or something that's, you know, like Black Sabbath, you know, like, but I mean, I definitely do think there is stuff heavier than other things, but Black Sabbath, I consider heavy also. It's, it's, yeah, it's so fucking hard to yeah. define this fucking thing, man. Like when Dave just like read me off that fucking text, I was just like, oh, you know, I was I just like, was there. holy fuck. He just asked the holy grail question, dude. Like, yeah, what, how do you define fucking heavy? And I think it really, I don't think any one person could define it. I think it's like, how do you define it to yourself? For me, it's it's two things. It is First and foremost, it's not, it has nothing to do with the pitch or the tuning. It's a matter of timbre. It is the quality of the sound. I think high gain and distorted uh, or a distortion plays a huge part in that but i don't think it's necessary because there's another side to for me what makes something heavy and that's the composition itself it is note choice and chord choice and progression choice mm-hmm. personally you just you're gonna have a hard time playing something major and it being heavy yeah the quality of the sound from that scale is just so like joyous that there's nothing like you there's how do, how do I say this there's um it's hard to get that same sense of pressure with yeah. it it's it's not the same impact but which is all the more impressive when people do pull that off dude Devin Townsend has some stuff that's heavy as fuck but also super joyful arguably his biggest solo song Kingdom prime example of that dude but no i absolutely agree it's, it's, <laughs> I'm trying to I'm think not saying some, it's impossible I'm trying to yeah, think yeah. of something in a major key that I would consider like really heavy because I mean there's plenty of heavy stuff in major keys. I mean I've, I'm just trying to think of something I would consider. Yeah, it's there's definitely something about the minor keys that lend it to what is definition in general 
most people's definition of heavy definitely tends to come more in a minor key. Well, I mean, if you look at metal as a whole, almost all of it has been built upon the uh, blues pentatonic minor. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what's really weird, dude? Is like there's a fucking like, this is kind of getting out there, but it's really fucking strange, man. Like, cause a lot of the fucking rap stuff that I like is my is it's all minor key stuff too. It, it, there's you know, cause all the dancey stuff is is the major key stuff you know the major key stuff lends itself well to yeah the happy songs the the fucking uh the dancey type jams and it's like as much i mean you know i'm fine with those too but my favorite stuff has always been drawn to this fucking minor key and i'm not one of those people that's like oh you know like you they keep themselves feeling down because it's more of a real emotion that's not true I'm happy most of the fucking time. There's just something about the timbre. There's something about the way the notes go together. Yeah, you know, I could play a major scale all day. I've been able to since I was five years old. You know, and yeah. I never liked it then either. I always liked the minor the minor scales. That's really fucking weird. Like now, I want to know. Like, <laughs> I want to know what draws people to fucking minor. You know, and most people probably don't even know what a minor scale is. Basically, it's you know, I'm well. That Welcome might be a list for another musical time. theory. Yeah. I was gonna say list. Dude, yeah, uh, another list is the the top heaviest songs in in uh, major. Yeah, I mean you could totally fucking do that, like because it is so uncommon. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, that, I know there's a lot of stuff that mixes things. Like, have you ever seen that thing with the guy that re fucking does the Happy Birthday song? Have you ever seen that? He fucking like totally fucking reforms the Happy Birthday song because the Happy Birthday song like is fucking part fucking major and part minor and that's why it sounds so fucking weird. I guess I'd have to see that. I oh, remember was, this dude breaks it down on the piano and you're like, oh wow, I never even thought of that. Like, yeah. And it was is just it like, a YouTube thing. I think so. Yeah. Okay. It was it was real. I was like, wow, dude, this is fucking crazy. Now he did break it down into a fucking major key and it fucking sounded lame as shit mm-hmm. but it only sounds lame because you're so used to the regular version so right but yeah it was from a musical theory standpoint it's like oh wait yeah he's right yeah oh, there's, there's so many you know. fun little experiments have you guys seen um nothing else matters done in, in major that's a trip yes and it works i have seen that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, like yeah. stuff like that and then you introduced me to uh what is it? Don't uh, don't happy be worried. <laughs> yeah, don't happy be worried. <laughs> <laughs> and that works too. Like, well, like, so weird because there's a lot of stuff too that sounds happy and joyful, and if you really look at the music, it's not a major scale. Like it's not in a major key. So there's definitely stuff like that. So yeah, it's not all. I, I definitely don't think it's one thing that makes something heavy. I think it's a it's a lot of different things, and I also think like. You know, because I also want to hear from fucking rap fans because I know dudes that listen to fucking rap and they won't like they prefer this kind of rap because it's heavier than this kind of rap. You know, and a lot of that is more in, you know, their version of like the distortions, like how fucking hard is that fucking bass hitting? How hard is mm-hmm. the fucking kick drum hitting? Again, the the fucking the timbre of it, like what notes are being fucking played on the fucking keyboard, or what patterns, like what rhythmic patterns are there. Yeah. Because that's another one for me, like the rhythmic pattern. I'm definitely not just a fucking oh, it's got to be fucking slower tempo. But there's certain patterns, like, like fucking doom doom da, doom doom da, da da Like that's always gonna be fucking heavy. The fucking beat for fucking back in black. Is always going to be heavy. What kind of fucking riff you put on it? It's always going to be fucking heavy. And then there's these other fucking beats like... 
I don't give a fuck what kind of riff you put on that dude. That will never be heavy to me, mm-hmm. ever. And so there's definitely rhythmic patterns also that are involved. I mean, I probably more so with rap because lyrics are such a huge part of it because the music does tend to stay the same through the whole entire thing. I think for those guys, that would probably be like, yeah, there's got to be some kind of lyrical fucking element there that's going to make this fucking heavy. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder if there's people that listen to what they consider heavy country or you know heavier fucking jazz and and what that oh, would be sure. yeah yeah what's what's heavy with the other other genres as uh, well tons in edm too any electronic uh, music see general. that's another one too you want heavy jazz listen to tigran hamasian nice i, I think if i wanted heavy jazz i'd listen to fucking tech death i mean it's kind of the same thing um, <laughs> but no yeah that's you know then you get into other yeah. genres it's like well fuck now what is it like we can't even fucking define it in the genre that we hang out in the most and fuck man it's such a fucking cool question because it really opens up a lot to talk about because it's like fuck man like it's not all fucking sinister it's not all distorted can a song with no distortion be heavy to you yeah yes yeah i definitely i uh name one well that's the fun part yeah yeah yeah. um i just can't think of specific the recluse by amigo the devil in fact, pretty much all of Amigo the Devil's music is heavy as shit, but there's no like distortion or anything. It's actually folk music. Yeah. But I mean, the guy's singing about just like murder and like just grime. Yeah, for sure. I think I, immediately what comes to mind is the acoustic renditions of uh, Alice in Chains songs. Like, what was that last one on Unplugged? The Killer Is Me or whatever. Like stuff like that. Yeah. See, I just don't consider i i've never heard a fucking acoustic song that i considered fucking heavy it's definitely if it is it's it's a different kind you know what i mean it would uh that would be an interesting exercise to try to uh like write the heaviest song you can but not use any sort of like distortion or anything like that. well that's that. how jamie josta says he writes all the hate breed songs he does it on an acoustic and it's in in um standard tuning and then he's like only then if it's if it's that's the, the you know the heavy test. If it sounds heavy on an acoustic in standard, then it sure as hell is going to be you know distorted in C or whatever. You know? Yeah. So I think for me too, I just found that I just figured that out. It was like it's definitely fucking. There's there has it's the sound of the fucking instruments and it's the style of instruments because I can't think of one fucking acoustic song I've ever heard. And there's a tons of them I fucking love. There's tons of them I they have the elements of everything that should be heavy. It's. And if if even if I did call it heavy, it's very very fucking low on the fucking spectrum, you know. But that's because I don't consider, like I said, like the lyrics. You know, I mean, there's definitely heavy lyrics, you know. But that doesn't make a song heavy to me or not. You know, there's plenty of fucking things I listen to that are heavy as fuck. And like for one, I don't even know what the fucking lyrics are. You know, I mean, he could be fucking singing about whatever. But I mean, the band like Bro Job, dude, like they talk about all the fucking. We'll just the say, sound oh, of a thousand clapping asses. Yeah, they they have a little <laughs> bit of the fucking homosexual yeah. fucking lyrics, and it's still heavy as fuck. And I don't. I mean, they're they're not talking about like, okay, when I say homosexual lyrics, I'm talking like sexy homosexual lyrics. We're not talking like beating fucking homosexuals up. If I remember, there's the, nothing violent in Bro Job. Yeah. It's all like sexy time. Fucking a lot of like songs about kissing. I. Yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly, one of their songs starts with the line, give me a hickey with your butthole. Yeah. And I mean, dude, like, it's all oh, fucking tongue-in-cheek. It's all fucking comedy. It's all for fun. And it's still heavy as fuck. Fucking slams. Dude, mm-hmm. heavy as fuck. You know, so, yeah. 
I, you know, I think for me, like, definitely fucking the lyrics are out. And as far as anything acoustic, that's, that's for me, it can't be. Uh, that would have to be out. So do you consider, like, how, how, on what level is, like, Opeth heavy? See, that's that brings me to why I asked this question in the first place. Because when you really sit down and listen to a lot of Opeth's music, they kind of, they're, they're obviously heavy as shit, especially the early stuff. But they really challenge and issue a lot of what traditionally you would consider make something heavy. If you listen to like their guitar tone, it's not actually all that distorted. They're not sitting there doing blasts the whole... Like, they'll hit some blasts every now and then, but it's not like the constant double bass or constant like blast beats or anything like that. And... Like, they're not sitting there just chugging along on like a harmonic minor or... Um, What's that heavy heavy as? Uh, there's, it's it's the uh, the scale that basically every death metal band uses for everything. Double harmonic major. They don't have like a whole lot of fucking like. Uh, what do you call it? Like just classically heavy riffs. That is true. They don't do a lot of that, yeah. man. Like, they don't have a lot of fucking shreddy riffs either. They're really like anti fucking metal almost. Like like I said, dude, it reminds me of fucking something Genesis would do, except they're using distorted guitars to do it which I think you've brought up one time, was like, you know, let's do this thing, but with these instruments. And that's kind of what it really reminds me of. And I never noticed that until pretty much like probably like two or three weeks ago because of this question. Yeah. Because, yeah, that was the other part of your question was, you know, and how does that relate to a band like Opeth? Because, yeah, they don't have the traditionally heavy fucking chunky riffs. I mean, they do have them. It's just not their the majority of their stuff. Yeah, the guitar tone is not fucking your your standard fucking heavy ass, you know, fucking guitar tone. They're they don't it's not blast city, it's not fucking you know, and it's not fucking China symbol fucking, you know, cut time fucking city either. So it's like, well, you know, it's like, well, wait a minute, like what do they do? They do everything. I mean, they do all of that stuff. You know, they do have their fucking string skippy melodic death metal type riffs in there they do have a little bit i mean i mean i think that's why one of their songs probably like what something like master's apprentices is so popular is because it does have it does start off with one of those traditionally heavy fucking style riffs mm -hmm. that they don't do a whole hell of a lot yeah that's true now that i think about it there's there's a weird ratio of that is it safe to say that they're prog rock morbid angel almost dude they're all i mean they're i if you go to riffs man i think they're probably if you took it's like someone took fucking, all right. It's King Crimson played through a death metal rig. <laughs> here, here comes the recipe. Yeah, if King Crimson mashed with fucking Genesis, so what, Robert Fripp and uh, we'll put fucking Phil Collins on the drums. <laughs> <laughs> and you just gave them like, you just gave them a little, like more distortion and you fucking had. David Vincent on vocals. Any fuck, like, yeah, you had just a death metal singer with that thing. That's kind of what they are. Because, yeah, I mean, the majority of their stuff is more rock. A lot of the riffs, like, it is more rock-oriented stuff. It's less metal-oriented and definitely more rock. Definitely, I mean, obviously the prog element. But, yeah, more rock fucking style with the death metal vocals, which for most people, if you put those vocals on literally any kind of music, they're going to consider it death metal. I've never considered Opeth a death metal band. I've considered him a very strange fucking version of melodic death metal 
once I allowed myself to understand what I had to give in to the definition of melodic death metal, but but even then, yeah, they were they were a very strange version of melodic death metal. They're a death metal band. Are they a death metal band that just has melody in it? Are they you know whatever? But now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, it is more like a fucking rock prog rock band that has a death metal singer yeah is it is it a prog rock take on death metal or is it a death metal take on prog rock right yes i, yeah, I exactly. almost want to yeah. say it's a prog yeah i almost want to say it's a fucking prog rock fucking take on fucking death metal because it definitely seems like that's more of what they're into mm-hmm. but yeah I, whenever i listen to it there's this uh, there's always the same thought process where i'm listening to it i'm like this is so fucking heavy and then I'm like, but why? <laughs> why do I think this is so heavy? This is nothing like any of the other heavy music I listen to. Mm-hmm. They were one of a kind at one point, man. I mean, they still are. It's just interesting to see that, as some bands do, they they kind of eschew their their predetermined um, identity for something else. Sometimes something that's been done before, you know. Well, when you put out thirteen records, that's it, true too. It, well, and if you you put out thirteen records, but you also even before the change, they had fucking what, like nine albums? Yeah. Is it nine albums? Um, let me. No, it was ten. Is it ten? It was ten? No, oh, yeah, shit. it was nine. It was nine. They, al- they, they fucking. 13. But in those fucking albums, like they've done more than most bands because the fucking songs are long as fuck. Even if you had to shoehorn it in, you have fucking put so much of everything. They could have fucking easily took a lot of parts of those fucking songs. And, like, made them separate fucking songs and gotten fucking three or four other albums out of it. They did so much in those fucking, in those albums. It doesn't surprise me that, you know what, we might want to do something different. Because, fuck, man, we kind of just did everything. I was going to say, is it like Volbeat where they, they took that sound they had and they're just like, dude, we literally did everything and then more. And so kind of, yeah. It's, well, so this is one thing. So they did the Damnation album. They had, you know, it was all the fucking mellow stuff or whatever, right? And I get that because, you know, you did... I mean, very few fucking songs was that where they melt all the way through, but they still were there. And the thing is, is like, I don't think... May, and maybe I just... You know, because I listened to the fucking whole discography, and I mean, yeah, probably at times I wasn't paying attention because I've got other shit to do, but I don't recall a fucking song where he's just screaming the whole way through it. Yeah. They do have songs where he's singing the whole way through it, prior to Damnation. Mm-hmm. So it, it never made sense to me, and, and well... After a while, because my old singer, John R.I.P.D., he used to fucking always say when that album came out, he's like, why would they put out a fucking all mellow album and not put out an all heavy album? And I used to say, well, because if they put out an all heavy album, they're just a fucking death metal band like everybody else. But then it just fucking over the years, it kind of hit me. I'm like, wait a minute. Like they already had the mellow shit, too. Long, long passages of mellow shit. So essentially all they did was, well, We'll just take out the fucking heavy, the, you know, the, <laughs> there we go again. We'll just take out the heavy parts. No, we'll just take out the fucking, the screaming parts, you know, the distorted parts, and we'll put out this fucking album. And it's like, okay, I get that. But why didn't you do that the other way? And I honestly wonder how much of it was kind of like dipping your toe in the water and see how cold the water is going to be for going to a lighter style of music, or at least a non-metal style, of, a less metal style of music. Because at that point, man, it's like, man, when that fucking hit, I mean, because you had D- Damnation Deliverance pretty close together. Mm. I think they were released as a double. Uh, they... <laughs> okay. Larry, 
So yeah, it was it technically was released as double, but I don't think they came out the same day, did they? Uh, no, no, no. Damn, was it like a month later? No, it wasn't a month. It was it was like six or seven. Because I remember waiting for that other half. I was like, oh, sweet, yeah, where's yeah. the other one? Oh, yeah. not out yet. Okay. So, you know, and then Ghost Reveries is was that when they fucking went to uh, Roadrunner? Roadrunner. Yeah. So Roadrunner probably wanted another fucking standard like Opeth album, but I mean. They still like that was the one where they really fucking threw like a lot of fucking like of this stuff to come, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about composition wise. I'm talking instrument wise. Like the Moog is everywhere on that. Oregon's on there. They have the fucking you know the Joe Satriani sounding guitar on Atonement. They have, I mean, there's all kind of fucking stuff on there. And and then right after that, dude, like Watershed's completely fucking different. Absolutely, it's almost like Roadrunner said, "Give us one more album of your regular shit, and then we're totally cool with letting you do whatever you want to do." And so it's almost like Damnation was, "Oh, let's see how fucking crazy this would be if we fucking did this." And they found out, "Oh shit!" Like a lot of people like this shit. All right, at this point, because of the stuff that's on Damnation, at that point, man, you're pretty much cool to do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah. Honestly, I thought they were cool to do whatever they want to do anyway, because there's fucking, uh, in fact, I'll say an honorable mention right now, Benighted off of fucking Still Life, dude, that's all mellow fucking song. Some of the fucking prettiest clean guitar, or not clean guitar, acoustic guitar you'll ever hear. It's a beautiful fucking song. Easily fucking could be on something like Damnation. I actually use Benighted as like my warm up when I'm playing like Is my it? acoustic yeah <laughs> nice it's, it's, a it's so much fun to play song, dude. dude it's a great song I fucking love that song it's great and for working on your uh, your finger picking oh I bet I bet yeah that's that stuff right there like I mean they've you know they've had stuff like that so I mean but to do a full album of it it's like okay like let's see if we could do this and I think that's when they were like okay we can probably just yeah that's how I see it no, obviously I I'm not an insider yeah. of any kind. But, I mean, there's something to that, right? Damn, you know, they, they have what's perceived as that established prog rock death metal hybrid, but not for that much longer after Damnation, right? Yeah, it's like... Two, three records? Yeah. Blackwater Park, Ghost Reveries, uh, Watershed, basically? Well, it was um, it was Blackwater Park, then Deliverance, then Damnation, and then that's where it's like, okay, because oh. then it's like... To me, Ghost Reveries is arguably like the full realization of that sound one last time. <clears throat> and then, yeah, we have Watershed's this kind of, okay, what are we doing now, transitional thing, and then they've been at where, you know... Yeah, Watershed's a weird album. It's, it is kind of like, how do we want to go about doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, and It's actually my favorite one. Is it? Yeah. It's really weird to me. I definitely think Ghost Reveries, while I don't think it's their best album, I do think that's their pinnacle of here's where we're at right now and i mean they put out that album and i mean at that point if you look from that album backwards it's kind of like looking down the back you know the the looking back down the mountain going well now where do we go yeah yeah i never thought of this until now but it is kind of the end of an era yeah it's it's definitely the proggiest of their level of progginess and it's one of the heavier of the heavy is that yeah it's the perfect fucking mix of here's what we've done so far and then it's like yeah well where do we fucking go now and it's like well we're gonna fucking have to clear a fucking path here so give us an album to do that but once they got the fucking path clear even though i don't like the fucking newer stuff man like dude they went full fucking bore and they're pretty fucking good at it you know and a lot of people like it you know and so it's like well fucking a like it didn't take them long. <laughs> it didn't take, take them long at all, dude. 
It, it's weird to me because, like, I see a lot of praise for their prog stuff online, but then when I'm at shows and stuff talking about it, like, people are fuck-ass mad about, oh, yeah. about yeah. Opeth yeah. being a prog band now. See, man, I don't think I liked them enough to fucking be, like, mad about it. I mean, and also, I think, too, it, it depends. Like, there's some people that fucking see that peak... And they just want you to like build more mountain. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, sure, well, sure. wait a minute, like you you already have eight some odd albums. Dude, worth you shit don't like that. usually yeah. do that. Like that doesn't normally happen. Once you hit your peak, it's a peak for a fucking reason. There is no anything higher that you're gonna do. And could they have gotten higher? Maybe, but I think to get higher than that, you would have alienated somebody somewhere. So it's like, well, if you're gonna alienate someone somewhere, you might as well fucking. Go to a new mountain, you know, and like that's the thing. I think, I think a lot of people, yeah, they were there because I know a lot of people were fucking. I know a lot of people are still fucking pissed. Like they, they hate this band now. I'm like, how? Like what? Just Why? Don't listen to it. Yeah. Dude. Fuck. How? Have, Ghost Reverie still exists. Yeah. Well, it's I think still- I think a lot of it though is like, okay, so there's the ADD part where it's like, oh, I've already listened to those. And I also think it's a combination of that, and there's not a lot, there's not another band quite like this. And, but there is, there's a lot of fucking bands. I think some of those people are, at least the ones I talk to, are a little bit older. They don't necessarily like looking for new music. And for two, I think one thing that really fucking holds it together, dude, is fucking, dude, people really, really, really fucking, really love Akerfeld's vocals. Oh, yeah, I always joke that um, Ackerfeldt's death metal vocals were so good that he doesn't even have to do it anymore. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, it was number yeah. one on his fucking He's just like, death I did metal it. vocals I'm the best. list. Yeah. You know, like, that was his number one. And and it's like, and the, all the fucking lists I looked up for that fuck for our show, all the lists I saw, he was in the fucking top ten of everybody's lists. Yeah, I think even if you don't like Opeth, it's hard to deny how skilled Ackerfeld was at the uh, the death growl. Mm-hmm. So see, for me, because I listen to a lot of stuff like that, like I don't see anything all that great with his death growl. It's a pretty standard death growl. He's fucking he's good at it. For me, what made him such a fucking awesome vocalist was his fucking clean vocals are goddamn amazing, and that's weird. It's 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 you usually only get one or the other. Yeah, yeah. Or you get you get two things that you're really great at, or like usually it's one thing you're really great at and you're pretty fucking good or even really good at another thing, but there's not a lot of dudes who are really truly great at both. Mm-hmm. And he is great at the fucking death growls. It's just it's the same death growl the whole time. So he's a one trick pony on the death growl. And he's he, you know, I mean, he has the high screams too, so He's definitely not a one or two trick pony because he could do the high screams really good too. He just doesn't do them a lot, and they are in the death growl fucking range. You don't but really hear any of them vo- after morning rise. Yeah, his yeah. fucking singing voice, dude, is fucking outstanding. His range is really good too. He's so fucking good at doing both of these things that I think a lot of people, especially like you know an older crowd, where they you could have. You know, your singer fucking does, or uh, Treyu, the singer does only the fucking, you know, the fucking screaming vocals, and the drummer does the fucking clean vocals. Mm-hmm. There's a large portion of people who don't like when that happens. Two people are doing two different things. 
my singer, my old singer is one of them. There's yeah. a lot. Of, if it's it, you know, it I, they want pretty, it all done by the yeah. one guy. It can get pretty good cup, bad cup. Yeah, they want it all done with the one guy, and here's a fucking dude who's really fucking good at both of them. His everyday talking demeanor, dude. He's such a soft spoken. You know, but, yeah, but he does have a very deep voice. Like, he has a deep ass voice, man. Which is funny too, because like, he's a funny guy, dude. Go on YouTube and look up. Like, I was just watching clips of him last night. They put compilations of just his, his goofy ass stage banner, dude. Like, it's just funny. This soft spoken Swedish dude that's sarcastic as hell, and he has a pretty voice. It's a great combination. And he just, you know, when the, you see his demeanor, how he carries himself on stage, he'll like, whenever he's just talking to the crowd, he'll just be standing there and he'll have his arms crossed, you know, over his guitar, just like having a co- casual conversation with the audience kind of vibe. Like, Oh, yeah, they're like one band I've never wanted to see live because I watched the fucking DVD. I've watched, well, I watched the Lamentations DVD, but I also saw a couple other full sets fucking live, and it's just... <laughs> They're just not a band I want to see live. There's not a lot of movement. They do put a lot of emphasis on playing everything proper. And then that's fine. But you can listen to the Lamentations fucking DVD. And it's literally just like listening to the album <laughs> with crowd noise. Like, yeah. it's, I was like, wow. It's that's, a cool presentation. It's really, really well done. But not something I want to pay it's money to visually go fucking, yeah, to yeah. go see. You know, that there's, yeah, there's not much... As far as showmanship, I guess during the during the playing, obviously, I mean, yeah, he's a great front man in between the songs and whatnot. He does what he needs to do, but yeah, it's very, it's very. You're going to a concert, you know what I mean? You're, you're, yeah, you're going to a performance, dude. Yeah. Like it's like going to see a fucking orchestra play. It's a recital. Yeah, yes, dude, yeah, a recital. Yeah, yeah. There we go, dude. Absolutely fuck. perfect. Yeah, perfect. I don't, and that's the thing. I haven't seen any video of like their modern show, so I don't know if they ever did put any video component or every, anything on there. I saw the only time I've seen Opeth was like pretty much the only way I'd want to see them is they were on Sounds of the Underground. The first time they did Sounds of the Underground as a tour, rest in peace. And they had four songs because that's about the amount of time you can fit of Opeth songs in a festival setting like that if they're not like one of the bigger bands. And I'm trying to remember the set. It was they started with um, the Drapery Falls, then it was Grand Conjuration, which was brand new at the time. Uh, like like the album wasn't even out yet. Then it was to rid the disease from damnation, and they that was their ballsy choice because it's like yeah we're playing one of the quiet songs. God, that's a, metal a weird festival. fucking set, man. Yeah, and then they closed with uh, Demon of the Fall, off of My Arms Rehearse, and that was it. That's a really weird set. Yeah, and that's perfect. It's only four <laughs> songs, and uh, Martin Lopez was that he wasn't even officially out yet. He was just sick. So they had Gene Hoagland doing double duty for that and Strapping Young Lad the same day. So that was cool. And that's, that's when you can see the, the goofiness with uh, Michael. He's just like, yes, he's a really good drummer, and he can spin his drumsticks in his hand, show them, Gene, or something like that. Like, he was he's just a funny guy. And then I actually, when I was going through set list of them last night, seeing their stuff, uh, I guess I forgot they were on Gigantour, Megadeth's Gigantour the following year, and it was another same thing where it was four songs. It's just those really proggy bands in that setting. I remember seeing Between the Buried and Me in 2006, OzFest, and I thought they only played two songs, but apparently they played three. I don't remember. I don't remember that third one, but I remember those two. But you know what I mean? It's like that. You only get like 20, 25 well, that's like minutes. the thing. I, I was heading down to Brick by Brick just like a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh, I got a 40-minute drive. Should I? And you know, obviously we were preparing Let's for this. Should I listen songs. to fucking two Ep- Opeth yeah. songs or four Grindcore albums? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what should I do? Like, you know, because it's like that, man. Like, yeah. 
Uh, I'm going to give a quick shout out to one of my favorite covers that they do of someone else's Bridge of Size by Robin Trower. I love that fucking song, and they do a great version of that. I'm also going to shout out their cover of Wood, mm, which was time. really fucking awesome. And one that really got me when I was when I first heard them was The Circle of Tyrants. Um, mm-hmm. Fuck, man. That I, was the first time I heard that song. I, I love I love that song. I love their version of it. I'll give them props for fucking trying to do... For trying to make Remember Tomorrow a good song. But <laughs> fuck, it just can't be done. Everybody just stop. Just let the song go. Just let it fade into the wind. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make a cube with nine corners. It's just not <laughs> happening. <laughs> right. Ew. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. Man. So, does anybody you got honorable mentions? How many? How many you got? I mean, I only got like one. Is Damnation as a whole the album? But considering Absolutely. that's my favorite album, I thought you know it's it's one of those things. I can't pick a song off of it. It's more just the whole thing front to back. I never listen to it one song at a time, you know? Oh, yeah. There's that's... one song I don't listen to on there. Oh, and we discussed this, too. Is was... that the last one? Yeah. Uh, to written, no. What is it? Whatever it is. As a quick aside, I cannot express how fucking frustrating it is that the song ending credits on Damnation is the second to last song. Yeah. yeah. How yeah, dare yeah. they? Yeah. And it's completely fucking stolen from a band called Camel. Yeah. Oh, would that make it a better album if they just got rid of that last track? Yes, okay, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And is that a post credit? Oh, I don't know, man. Weakness is pretty great. It's a stinger scene. Yeah. It's a really depressing, boring stinger scene. Oh, that is it. Weakness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just... Ugh. God, it's so... I mean, it's not terrible, but, dude, it's a shitty way to end that one because you should end on ending credits, dude. Like, it's perfect for the ending. I haven't watched Lamentations in a long time. Do they they close the the quiet set with... uh... With I can't I can't remember. I do know that they actually play the Camel song because he fucking says, we stole that from Camel. And they play it, and they absolutely did, Mm -hmm. but it's awesome. Oh, they do end with weakness. All right. Do they? Yeah. Oh my I, god, um, that's rough. I have. I remember that. Now. I have a bunch of Opeth records on vinyl, and I've actually had to replace my Damnation record twice now because oh, I keep playing it so much that it uh, gets worn out and can't play anymore. No kidding. I mean, if you're gonna do that to any record, man, I, I if that if I had that on vinyl, I would have done the same by now. Uh, I guess my only other honorable mention is Porcelain Heart. That's just. It's evocative. That's the thing I love about Opeth is they're very evocative of a, a specific mood and a, and a you know they, there's an imagery that comes to mind when you listen to it and I think Porcelain Hearts a very good example of that. There's a video for it. I don't know what the hell's going on, which could be said about a bunch of their videos, but it's it's got a mood. You know, it's got that weird color tilty kind of like. What's that? What's that Instagram filter where uh, like you have shit and it starts focusing in on the center, and it's. It's not visage or something, but you know what I mean? It's, um... Oh, vignette? Yes, exactly. It's very vignette, you know what I mean? It's like you're watching the modern world through a, uh, an old black and white camera or something like that at times. Uh... I mean, because that's the thing, is like, they have a very specific aesthetic that's completely unique to them. It's... But it sits right alongside with all that classic dreary metal that's already been done a million times before, you know? Uh, let's see, one of my honorable mentions, Dirge for November... That fucking, the tone they have on that clean guitar when it's like, do 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 
So fucking good, dude. It's perfect. It fucking sounds amazing. And then that's one where it's opposite of, uh, I guess by my number two on, uh, by number two, it's opposite. It's, it fucking gets heavier as it goes. In fact, you'll find that most of their songs, they really do follow a fucking certain, like it either starts heavy and gets mellower or it starts mellow and gets heavier. Like there's not, in fact, I'm trying to think if there's one that starts mellow, gets heavier in the middle, and then ends mellow. They do have a lot more that heavy, mellow, heavy at the end. I'm trying to think of one that does the opposite. But that's like, they don't do a whole lot. Like I said, there's not a lot of stuff that they do where it's just like heavy all the way through. or you know, and like, But they do have quite a few of them that are mellow all the way fucking through. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, on that, and back to what you're saying about like, why Ackerfeld is so like loved as a vocalist um, also applies to Opeth itself is that like I think what they are the best at is controlling dynamic that absolutely because they they change the in, like intensity of the sound so often I feel like those mellow passages really make the heavier parts seem heavier because they're immediately preceded by this really like soft mellow part absolutely and I think that's uh, why people rem- remember Ackerfeld as such an amazing like death metal vocalist is because he doesn't do the death growls the whole time. He has that really like um, glistening well, cleans. That's, yeah. That was kind of the thing in all those lists was, well, he's the one guy in this list that does a lot of clean vocals and can do it very well. And I'm like, okay, for what we were doing, that wasn't really a fucking factor. So I get it. Like, And like I said, Spoiler, he will be somewhere in my fucking top five melodic death metal vo- vocalists. Absolutely. God, he would probably be, he would almost be in my fucking top five clean vocalists too, man. That guy is just a fucking awesome singer. But, you know, they control dynamics. Uh, the thing I like about it is when they do get the fucking softer parts, they don't get quieter. They're still very much in the forefront. Everything's still plenty fucking loud. And to me, that almost screams like, I think that's more of a fucking prog rock thing. It's almost like a confidence thing. Like, we're so fucking confident that we can fucking pull off this part within this song that we don't have to, like, make it quieter to, like, falsely make it seem more mellow. You know what I mean? Like, or, you know, because there's bands that do the opposite where they, you know, they play a a heavier part and it gets louder you know and it's almost like you're trying to puff your chest up a little bit when you know it's like oh this is gonna be heavier i almost feel the same way about tuning low like we're gonna tune fucking low so it seems heavier it seems what we're doing is playing we're we're even heavier it's like wait because you're playing nothing you're just letting a couple fucking notes ring and that's it well yeah you would have to do something to make that fucking heavier because you're not really doing anything where these guys Oh, that's another thing. They're fucking mellow shit. They do a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of shit happening. There's fucking, there's probably a keyboard in there of some sort or a Mellotron or something. There's fucking layered acoustic tracks. There's clean fucking guitar. There's, I mean, fuck, man. They are just, they're mellow fucking parts. I think that's some one reason why Damnation works so good is because they're so fucking good at it. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, like even that fucking dirge for November, or you know the the song Harvest, you know which I love, which is relatively. I don't think that's fucking. That doesn't get much distortion all the way through it, right? I mean, it does he scream on it at all? I don't think he does. Harvest, no. Yeah, not um, at all. yeah. I mean that song right there. I mean that's 
uh, I know a lot of people like that for like you know sleep music and stuff like that. Like the, oh, this is this is my chill out stuff, you know. And it's something like Harvest. You're like, well, it's still more than the average person. But you listen to that. And there's like so much stuff going on, and I mean, some of that has to do with the producer and studio, studio Fredman. Did Stephen Wilson produce Blackwater Park? Mm-hmm. Blackwater sure Park, did. Damnation, and um, Deliverance. But I think some of Damnation was done at Studio Fredman, and then some of it was done in wherever he records yeah. it in the UK. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder what Opeth would be right now if Ackerfelt had never met Stephen Wilson. Ain't that a alternate history in, the, in a different Because I feel like that was really the catalyst for... What was to come. What, yeah, I, yeah. I think if... I don't think they would have gone down this, like, we're just prog rock road now if that relationship hadn't become what it is now. Yeah, they really went pedal to the metal when, when they started working more with him. It's, I mean, well, not just start working more with him. When probably when they figured out they work really well together. Yeah. Well, that's another thing. I mean, they're. I mean, are they just the fucking heavy version of Porcupine Tree? I mean, they kind of are. It's a um, little bit similar anyway. And I mean, how much of an influence did Opeth end up becoming on Porcupine Tree? And vice, you know, you know I haven't heard much Porcupine Tree past. I can't even think of the album name now. Uh, Deadwing? Deadwing. Okay. Yeah, I haven't I mean, heard much. Good. I just I love Deadwing, dude. Like, I love oh, it too. Fuck, and, it's and so good. And, and, and but I haven't heard much yeah. after that. Like, yeah, they're see for me they're a real hit or miss kind of band. You know, more so than Opeth. That's why I was like to <laughs> me they're like, oh, this is what Porcupine Tree. You know, this is what. Uh, Metal people listen to when they don't like Porcupine Tree, but they like the idea of Porcupine Tree. They can just right. listen to Opeth. Yeah. You ready for the list? I think so. All right. Now it is time for the namesake. It's time. Dave, you want to kick us off? Number five. Okay. So, number five for me would be Moon Above, Sun Below off of Pale Communion. Righteous. Because that was. It was the first Opeth record I heard, and that's my favorite song off that record. That was the one I play the most. As I say, you never forget your first. Larry, chill out, dude. Oh, did you want to add anything else to that song? To that song? Yeah, is there any other special little stories or associations uh, you have with it? I don't really know much about it, so... Not, not really. I mean, uh... I uh, I kind of yell it out of my car when I'm when I'm driving. Nice. Just at, like, passerbys. I dig it. Dude, just accosting people. As soon as you're done, you're like, "You're welcome." Oh man! Just did you a favor, fucker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess shouting, be... shouting random metal lyrics. Yeah. Did you guys ever see the guy <clears throat> underneath the 15 that had a cardboard guitar every weekend and was uh, air guitaring and then uh, <clears throat> shouting uh, the lyrics to what was it, "Bulls on Parade"? <laughs> For hours. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know what that guy's story was, but I wonder. I hope he's okay because I haven't seen him. It's in gotta years. be good, dude. He, he, he was working through some stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder if it was like he lost a bet or something because I remember like him taking a break one time and you saw him on a phone or something. He was just like, "Okay, I did my my thing. I'm ready to go." Or it's some fucking diehard three shit. Someone's yeah. got his fucking yeah yeah yeah. You know his Simon fucking says. brother fucking held hostage. He's yeah. got to go underneath the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> I guess That's save that guy up. for uh, Rage Against the Machine episode one day. <laughs> Jason, you're number five. My number five. Fucking Masters Apprentices, dude. It's definitely the most traditional fucking metal riff that they have. Well, yeah, probably the most, I would say. Pretty fucking heavy. Mm -hmm. 
But that's just the start of it. They don't really fucking, I mean, that song really fucking boom, it kicks in and then, I mean, it comes back to the fucking riff or whatever, but the big thing for me is the fucking middle part, because that's the one that has all the fucking, ah, and then it has the fucking, ah, and then it changes key, and and he has the fucking nice little clean stuff. Basically, it's the, it's the part in Lamentations DVD with the behind the scenes recording part where, I mean, they show a lot of what they're doing. I just remember that fucking part. And I remember, because I've always liked that sort of thing, like when they, I don't know, that VH1 show where they go they go to the board for the classic albums or whatever, and they'll, like, take things out. And, yeah, this is nice, like, Yeah, check this out, and, you know, and this is, like, fucking dude. And so, like, that DVD, it shows them recording that part, and Steven's like, you know, hey, like, go up, go up one more. Hey, go up one more. Uh, let's do one more of this. Let's do one more of that. And then all of a sudden, they're in the studio, and it just he's just playing this the single one, and then he brings up these fucking faders, and it's just like fucking all of a sudden, it just sounds like this huge fucking chorus of Akerfelt, dude, you know? like <laughs> It's fucking awesome. I think that was probably... I, I, I definitely liked them like quite a ways before this, but I think this album came out like right around the fucking time I heard Blackwater Park. It wasn't that much later. It would have been around that time, 2002. Because that, that's when I was, like, really getting into them and all the other Swedish bands and all that. So it hit about, you know, the right time. One thing I always thought was interesting about Deliverance and Damnation was how many people I knew that were really thrown off by the album title Damnation being the mellow one. Yeah. They, yeah. they thought it should have been reversed, and I thought, no, that makes total sense the mm-hmm. other way around. And it has the white album cover, with you know, <laughs> contrasting the black album right. cover of before. Right. Right. You know, and now it's just on Spotify. It's all together. Yeah, I was gonna you say, know, which is very cool. Yeah, what do you think about that remastered version or remixed or whatever? I honestly, don't. I can't even tell a difference. Oh, really? But, I mean, I haven't listened to the regular version in a while, so it's huge to me, dude. I mean, Damnation sounds completely the same. The one on uh, Deliverance sounds way different. Like the drums are way more clicky. I don't know. I guess it's more polished, but it just sounds too polished to me. Like I don't know. I I, I didn't. I've grown up with that you know original mix so much. That it's like hard to separate, you know. I mean, I, I don't listen to Deliverance enough to. I probably don't. I probably wouldn't even be able to tell. I mean, if you a beat it, obviously. Oh, but, it's, yeah, night and day. But if you gave it a different sound now, I haven't listened to it enough to where I even care. It's just like whatever. Unless you made it sound fucking necro or something, I probably wouldn't fucking care. Hmm. But I also like the polished sound, so. That's kind of my thing. That's just such a different... Because, I mean, like, the Steven Wilson mix at the time was polished for that time, but now it's just like, I don't know how to describe it, dude. It just sounds so different. I don't... Uh, so on Spotify, I don't think I listen to... I, I don't think I ever really listen to the regular version. I I just grab the one that has both of them, mm-hmm. and, you know, we'll shuffle it out or something. I think the ones that I took into the playlist for this episode were all from that same remastered, remixed album, so... Yeah, I probably haven't heard the original one in quite a while. Now I think about it. Yeah, and they're both on there. Well, and it's funny that the one for Damnation is the original one's on there too, because like again, it just maybe it sounds slightly louder. Like just louder. Yeah, maybe or maybe I'm just looking for some difference, and that's uh, the only. It thing does I can say remix. I mean, that's one thing that surprised me. It's not just a remastered version. I mean, it's a remixed version. So I've, honestly, I don't know why you would even want to remaster or remix those records. That's like what the production I on them's great. Yeah. But, it's I not mean, like, it's Deliverance, not like 30 deliverance years old. is it's, a you know, little... 
That's probably. I think the production of Deliverance is like my least favorite. Mm. Like the songs are good. It's just like there, there's something about it. It feels a little washed. I could see that. Well, maybe if you haven't heard it yet, maybe look check it out. Like you might get something out of it. It's probably on YouTube or whatever for everybody out there curious and doesn't have Spotify or anything. I don't know. Let us know what you think, man. I'm kind of curious now. Yeah. I mean, seriously, like, even just, like... I need to put it in my car and just fucking crank it up and see what, how much different it is. But like I said, I, it's not like I'm super attached to the regular, the original one, because I, like I said, I just didn't really listen to it as much. I still prefer Blackwater Park to Deliverance. We'll cross that bridge. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I guess uh, my number five is Atonement off of uh, Ghost Reveries. It's just chill, man. There's a thing about Opeth in general. It just you know, evokes a very... It's the like opposite. I can't say it's the opposite of Necro because then like you think like just super slick, pristine. This is its own thing. Opeth just makes me think of like like a regal kind of majestic vibe. You know what I mean? Everything about them is just so goddamn tasteful. And this is like... That to a T, you know what I mean? Speaking of tasteful, don't they have just like great album art? Yeah, I wanted to bring that up too, man. Like, like I, 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 I like their logo. I like their old logo too. You know, I wish it didn't say the whole thing. I just like the O. I see that. Like, if it, if yeah. all their albums just had the O there and then had like the album name, it'd be sick as fuck. But yeah, dude, their album fucking covers are very fucking cool. Yeah. Favorite? My favorite is Blackwater Park, always has been. Speaking of atonement, dude, like this song, the sound on this song reminds me of the fucking rays of sunlight coming through the room in Ghost Reverie's album cover. Mm. Is that the album cover? I'm pretty sure it is. Isn't there like a candle? It's like one of those ones you can see it in your head, but you don't know what it is specifically, which I could be said about a lot of them. Speaking of Blackwater Park, I didn't know there's dudes hidden in the trees for years. That's Wait, what? awesome. There's dudes hidden uh, between the trees. Like like creepy dudes. Okay, so there. you're right, and I'm wrong on Ghost Reveries. <laughs> it's like a fucking candle thing. Yeah, I can picture it. Oh, I just can't I'm, I'm gonna look up Blackwater Park real quick. Do you, have you never seen? The I, dudes? I'm, I'm looking up a fucking high def version of it because. Okay, I've noticed that. I just never really paid much attention to the fact that they're actually like humanoid mm-hmm. looking. Because I guess they're supposed dude. to be a sinister-ish kind of story or whatever. That's the thing is like they're supposed to be all these stories. Like, so what is it? Um, Still life has a concept, and I guess I just found out my arms your hearse does too. I tr- comb through the lyrics. I mean, it's there with Still Life for sure, but I'm like, yeah, there's a vague narrative for my arms your hearse, but I can't tell what it is. Somebody yeah. died, and he's bummed out about it. <laughs> Visits the grave a lot, which sums up <laughs> Opet's vibe. There's definitely well. no fucking rays of sunlight coming through on Ghost Reveries, yeah. but I mean that's what that song sounds like to me is like, kind of like a fucking old ass, you know, like wonderful architected, architected. All right, yeah. fuck it, it's my word. Yep, architected church. Trademark. <laughs> yeah, man, like and just having the rays of sunlight come through and everything seems nice and warm yeah. and. So that's Abby, cool that, that you have a different image in your head. I have a different one too, but both are cool. Or it's a, uh, it's like a, it's like a Daffy Duck, or Bugs Bunny or whatever ass fucking tent out in the middle of the desert. You know the ones where it's like. What does that even mean? Like, so you remember back in the uh, old Looney Tunes, like, like a yurt? No, it'd be like just like a little ass tent, but then you walk in and it's like this majestic oh, okay, palace okay, okay. and shit. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like that, but like not goofy. <laughs> I'd be so confused yeah. for a second. Yeah, I, it's legit. Just like. 
It's like something out of Aladdin where it's just like, you know, the cartoon, not the goddamn Guy Ritchie movie. Uh, where it's, he's just chilling, walking on a camel, and there's like a really cool twilight or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, but that's the thing. Do you do you get any image out of that out of that song when you listen to it that comes to mind? For me, I get a lot of the same like mental imagery from a lot of Opeths, and it's just like fog, pouring rain. Fog. Oh, even better. Rain. Okay, I haven't thought about rain. Just that's good. like, but this song is totally different though. Just torrential like. Huh. That's what I'm saying. There's like no. This might be their one song that I really feel it sounds like a fucking nice warm blanket. Yes, good call. Yeah. (laughs) That's the most comfortable blanket ever, and it makes you feel fucking happy and snuggly. Yeah, there's like a good like if it's not incense, there's just some sort of like really pleasant aroma going on. And then that little. uh, I mean, they do have passages that do that to me a lot. Like not all their stuff is is a Debbie Downer. Yeah, but that one's like kind of unique unto itself, and that little weird instrumental thing at the end that's. Is it yeah, what part the, of the song? fuck is that, dude? I don't like, know, but I dig it too. This, yeah, I thought another song started. I'm like, oh, what song is this? Yeah. I look on the thing. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, because I've never, you know, this would have been around the time that like, goddamn, hidden songs one. were a fucking thing. Yeah, I was gonna say I've never, you I've know, never you, seen it on the CD. Is it like one of those ones where it's unless like you had the CD player that had the timer going, yeah, you yeah. you didn't really know if the song, if like, wait, is this the same song? Is this? A, you know, did you ever have any of those fucking uh, CDs? I can't, I can't think of an artist that did it, but I remember a friend of mine had one, and, I, and you would play it, and it's like at the end of the, like the song would end, but then it would go to negative. Yeah, that's that. That's what I'm. And then to it would play out. something, and then yeah. once the negative was hit a certain amount of time, then all of a sudden it would play the next song. And yeah, I was, and it would count fuck? backwards because yeah, it was yeah. negative. Yeah. Well, so that was the trip. Was I had that a lot, and I never, you know, by the time Ghost Reveries would have come out. Well, I wasn't using a CD player. I was ripping it to whatever so I could put it on an iPod. Right, right. So I don't know if that was the case. Fucking Star Trek shit. Yeah. Negative um, tracks. Supposedly there's an (laughs) AFI album where if you put it on track one and you rewind, it starts another hidden uh, thing like that. That was the thing is all that shit. God, that's so fucking stupid. Yeah. It was was the time. It was like all the hidden. It was uh, corn. Look what we can do. Yeah, it was was corn. You had to get to like track 13 was actually the first song and it would just skip the tracks. And then uh, Nine Inch Nails was like it would skip whatever the last song on the... And then it goes to 99. Yeah, and then uh, Tool was 69, and like yeah. in the advent of nice. stream, streaming, all that shit just, yeah, went away. Probably for better. It was a God. 90s-ass thing, dude. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, that like, was a lame trend. Yeah. Wrist in peace, weird hidden track <laughs> stuff. Let's make why, everything why mean you something. want your audience to not hear one of your songs yeah or have to really work for it like because that, that was the 90s man that's exactly what that was to a t- it's almost like it's almost like it was in this era it was like we got to make this mean something so much more than it is it's like yeah. the fucking pretentious era like oh look it what really we can do. was man as much uh, as i love it there was a lot of give and take it's like you're it? a fucking new metal band yeah. dude like for fuck's sakes your fucking bass player's name is fieldy yeah like just give me the fucking songs yep. dude I guess I'll save that for a corn episode because I got one more. It was the 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 intro to uh, Clown, where he's just like, "Oh, they're they're talking in the studio or whatever." Right? You're not supposed to hear that. Well, that's all fucking fun. I mean, yeah. you know, whatever. Four. Yeah. Let's do it. God damn it. Let's fucking do it. Damn it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that shit's fucking. That's not too bad. But yeah, atonement. I'm a fan. I really, yeah, I guess that's all there is to it. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dave, you're number four. So, like, yeah, like I said, number four, uh, I Feel the Dark off of Harvest. Um, not, wait, not Harvest. Um, what is it, isn't that? That's the song, what, yeah. Heritage. Heritage, okay. Off of Heritage. Um, 
it's like honestly that that's like my least favorite of their prog records it's heritage is weird that's the first one right no it's the the first one of that run yeah yeah that was the first one where they were just like we're only prog now yep um got a weird cover too but i feel the dark it, it starts off real soft and i think that's like the heaviest song on the record and it's got like i don't know there's not much to it it's got a good groove to it you don't get that a lot with uh Opeth tracks, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not mu- not really much to say. What's the What's the single off that one with the weird devil video? Uh, might yeah. be the Devil's Orchard. <laughs> That's a pretty good. Yeah, that 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 was the thing, man. For for establishing that new wave of of material to come, everything about that the, the <clears throat> vibe of that album and the uh, the aesthetic, dude, it just evokes. It's it's prog rock. It's like seventies prog rock, but it's fucking creepy. Yes. Yeah. 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 And not the same creepy as the new one. It's like the, the this one's devil creepy. The new one is like Stanley Kubrick creepy. I don't know yeah. how else to phrase it, dude. Because it, it's it, it is a cinematic record, as far as I can tell. Whereas, it's psychedelic, but it's like a bad fucking trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah, some yeah. bad acid right there. Yeah, it's the it's the something bad's about to happen to the protagonist in um, the Clockwork Orange vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas uh, Sorceress and Pale Communion, I don't know, man. Is it doesn't Sorceress? Isn't it just like peacock feathers or something like that? Yeah, it's just a peacock. Yeah. So like. Oh, it's a peacock on top of like a corpse. Oh. Ooh. Okay, that's a little cryptic. Yeah. Oh shit! I never noticed that. <laughs> I just. Yeah, I it's wonder... like a it's like a disemboweled body and like chopped up. Okay, so they're keeping it somewhat metal, even if it's not in the music. And then Pale Communion's just pictures or mirrors or something right yeah it's like uh, murals or something yeah okay so they keep it interesting with the uh, imagery and that is ball stuck in the water thing how many times have we had that happen to us though uh, let's be honest now um, get your ball stuck in the water thing yeah <laughs> I hope that gets picked up on the box <laughs> That was Ball Break. Aww. Jason, you're number four. That was Ball Break by Larry. Yep. Uh, my number four is The Face of Melinda from Still Life. Mm. The fucking riff at the end, the fucking... Like, oh, it's like one of my favorite fucking Opeth riffs. The whole fucking first part is like a four and a half minute fucking little intro to that fucking part. But man, it's that's another one that's like a fucking comfy blanket. Like it's just right where you want to be, dude. The little fucking acoustic shit, dude. Like so fucking nice. It does again. Like it's really weird. I never noticed it before. But even that first part, there's something with the way they record it. Because Benighted has just straight up fucking acoustic guitars. This one has like it's almost like a record scratch effect on it, or like a lo-fi effect on it that makes it kind of sound old. You know, and then it's all fuck there. I don't think there's any screaming on it at all. Yeah, I don't think there's any screaming on this one. And but like I said, I mean, it's four and a half minutes of this nice little fucking acoustic number. You know, some little fucking, uh, what was it, like the, the fucking brush drums, you know, yeah, <laughs> almost yeah, like, yeah. fuck, it's so fucking nice, dude. Like, and it's one that probably, I, so that's a weird thing, too. I think the first, like, geez, man. I had this album for a long time before I actually got to that riff because, like I said, it's four and a half minutes of this metal song. I was like, eh, you know, eventually you fucking skip it. 
I bet I've skipped this song probably. Okay, so that's one thing you got to watch out with this band, dude. Like, you can't, you don't want to fucking skip anything because even if they're on a part you don't fucking dig, uh, there's a good possibility they might hit something you dig fucking later, which is kind of my issue with all bands that are very progressive or bands that have, like, a lot of shit in one song. It's like, well, I mean, one thing I do like is you don't want to fucking skip it. You want to hear the whole fucking song, see if there's something they're like. But also, they might play something you don't fucking like in a song, so it is hard to like some of the songs all the way through, which is one thing that I really try to do. Like, all, not try to do, but all five of my songs are songs that I like all the way fucking through. They're pretty few and far between with for me with Opeth, but they're few and far between for me with a lot of this style of band. So, like... Even death metal, there's a lot of death metal songs too, where it's like the more stuff you pack into one song, it is harder. Yeah, you like parts, not the whole. Yeah, there's probably going to be things in there that I fucking don't really, don't really dig. But then there's the other songs where it's like, man, there's this one part in there that's just like so fucking good, nothing else can fuck that song up, and it's fucking awesome for you. So, number four for D-Lo. Number four, I'm going with Grand Conjuration, also off of Ghost Reveries. Like, I remember this was the big thing, 2005, they just announced they signed a Roadrunner. People were panicking because Roadrunner was kind of a dirty word by that point. Uh, and then they put out Grand Conjuration and everybody in their right mind shut up about that. I, it just, like, starts off with the... Kind of sets a tone. and That's when you notice the... Yeah. It's moody as fuck. Yeah. It's sinister. Back in the day, I remember uh, Metal Sucks saying that that was the perfect soundtrack to Castlevania that wasn't Castlevania <laughs> music. Let's go kill some vampires. It's fucking sick, dude. I like yeah. that, man. Like, It's got a lot of flavor. Yeah. And there's the video version, which is a more condensed version, and then the you know the actual album cuts a lot more expansive. And I also remember that was their first like actual you know full production music video that wasn't just them in the studio uh, recording uh, Window Pane when they released a video for that. And I remember Opeth fucking hates the video for Grand Conjuration because they were like, dude, that, it's stupid. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't represent what the song's about or what we do as a band. Like, they think it's a poor representation. They hate that video, but it's technically their first. And that was also still uh, around the time of Sounds of the Underground. I think they filmed it while they were on that tour. So Martin Lopez was sick. So they had uh, Gene Hoagland in the video on drums. And be and because it's Gene Hoagland, he's wearing sunglasses when it's in a dark room. Sure. Why not? Yeah, man. Sun always shines on the cool. Nope. It's it's still a staple as far as, you know, everything that has been since to come, dude, for a reason. Grand Conjuration. Rocket. Yeah, that's a fucking good one. It's, like, stealthy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good word for it, yeah. Always been a big fan of the Moog. Yeah. I mean, I like keyboards in general, but there's just something about it's like a, it's basically a keyboard with distortion on it. I mean, yeah. I guess that's pretty much what it is. I've always liked it. Um, I uh, I was on a weird deep purple kick this week, I, and I didn't know their second biggest album is uh, something from the '80s. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay, and like it's got a very specific synth sound. Is that a Moog on that album? I'm not sure if it is or not. I, I think so. Yeah, because it is. It has a bit of. I mean, they were really they were one of the few. Uh, I mean, bands that are considered metal, I guess, that really use the organ a lot. I mean, they were like the one out of that initial I mean, I can't think of another one that used any organ as much as they did. No, yeah. 
you know, I mean, they were, Lord. yeah, they were fucking huge on that. Yeah, yeah. But I just thought that was funny. I was just like, man, I've never listened to this album, but I've heard these songs. You know what I mean? Is it the one with the fucking big D with the yeah. P in the middle? Yeah, and that's, the, it. that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know what album it is. I just can't. And I was like, that's their second biggest one? Okay. I guess I got yeah, a lot was, to learn. Yeah, it was a pretty it was a pretty popular album. Because that was, I think, oh, if I remember right, that was like their comeback album. So I could see that. Yeah, so. Deep Purple Th- that's another fucking band that I hear when, you know, I mean, most specifically Ghost Reveries. I hear a lot of Deep Purple type. And again, it's the organ, it's the moog, it's yeah. all of that stuff. Well, there was also the whole thing. Uh, well, the riffs too. Like, I mean. Yeah. But like specifically like Scandinavian yeah. dudes will tell you, because everybody talks, it's either Sabbath or Zeppelin in the rest of the world. They'll tell you in Scandinavia, it's Deep Purple and nothing else. Like like they were always bigger in Scandinavia than everywhere else. Well, yeah, it's Richie Blackmore. He just the neoclassical stuff. He wasn't just the blues bass guitar player. <laughs> he was the classical bass guitar player. It's a totally different fucking sound. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's what got those guys. Like, Has Opeth ever covered Deep Purple? That'd be Maybe sick. in the line. Dude, yeah. That would be pretty cool. There, there's a good one, speaking of them being goofy, where they, they cover uh, You Suffer by Napalm Death. <laughs> and it sounds perfect. Right? And he's just like, you know what, let's do it again. So they do it twice in a row and just... Uh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, pretty much. But with, with those Michael vocals, it sound, it's, it's, it's funny, but it sounds cool at the same time. It's a good contrast. Oh, you know? uh, that's goofy. Yeah. I want to. Oh man, I was trying to figure out who covered Zeppelin, but that was Mastodon, not Opeth. Although I could see Opeth doing an interesting job depending on what song they chose to. I'm surprised they haven't actually. Yeah, it's out in the ether, Michael. I guess that's it for Grand Conjuration. Dave, you're number three. Number three for me is Lotus Eater Ooh, off of okay. Watershed. Yeah. Um, mostly because I just I fucking love that blast that they do in the beginning. It's like one yeah. of my favorite kinds. It's the. Uh, yeah. And they're singing over it too. It's, oh yeah, it's, it's in the I mean? there's just like this soaring <laughs> vocal over it. Yeah. I've only heard one other band that I can think of do something similar to that it's Extol. On the song of the same name as the album, which is the name of the band. So it's the Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath on the Black Sabbath record. It's Extol by Extol on the Extol record. <laughs> God, you know that's I mean? annoying as Bad fuck. Company by Bad Company off the album. Yeah, 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 exactly, right. But no, it's a cool contrast, and I remember it being a big deal because Opeth more or less almost didn't blast at all, and that was going to be their one time right before they stopped doing metal at all, you know what I mean? So it's like if you're going to go out you on get a high... one more. Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's it, yeah. Yeah, it's really weird when he when you said that, and I was just like, man, I just started going through my mental catalog. I'm like, yeah, they don't do it very often. Yeah. They'll get the kick drums humming, like on yeah. Master's Apprentice, is a... Yeah. They'll get, they'll do that, but they don't. Yeah, man, they they just don't do that. So all I remember, I think lot. it's there's a DVD that came with Watershed. If you got the special edition, and he's like smoking a cigarette in a in a dark room talking about the album, and he's making a big yeah. This is the one with the blast beats, and he's doing the the air blasts with his hands when he's talking about <laughs> it. Like, I love the way he talks, man. Like, I, I'm bummed more people don't like do impressions of him. It's funny. Because the rec- that's about as extreme as the record gets from that point, right? And it's only track three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that is probably honestly probably the most extreme watershed. On it's like Air Parent and then Lotus Eater are some of like the heaviest pieces of music they ever did, yeah. and then the rest of the album is just yeah, like Air Parent's really good too. That actually went into my my list of potentials. I need to come up with a name for that, but yeah, I basically take the stuff that Runner-ups. could be on my list. 
runner-ups, the right. best of what's left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. That's a compilation name right there. Yeah, but yeah, that actually went in there. That was the only thing from Watershed to go in there was Air Apparent. I was, um, I think that's probably the one I've heard the most off that album. But yeah, Lotus Eater, like that. I do remember the fucking blast part though. Yeah, those are probably the two heaviest ones on there. Heaviest. God damn it. Now every time I say that, I'm going to be like, what does that even mean? Yeah, you're going to be second guessing every time. <laughs> oh, no, dude. I love it because it's like we use all these words like heavy and weight and like what is it pressure. Actually, yeah. And it's like we, we all have the know in our head what it means. But there's like we, but you can't tell can't someone what it means. Verbalize it. And we're having to use these words to kind of like allude to it. Well, right, it's like respect. Yeah. Mm hmm. Okay, there's an actual definition, but what does it fucking mean? Especially to Aretha Franklin. Is she dead? She... Yeah, she's dead. Okay, rest in peace. I had to think about that. I was like, she was in a Snickers commercial, dude. But yeah, who knows how long ago that was. Rest in peace, Aretha Franklin. <laughs> oh my Instead god. Instead of R-E-S-P-E-C-T. -E -E queen of fucking soul, and you're like, she was in a Snickers commercial. She was. Because they were making fun wow, of you, saying dude. something about you're acting like such a diva, and then you look and it's Aretha Franklin. Yeah, she died like two years ago, I think. Okay, yeah, okay, so it was in that time frame. Rest in peace. Speaking of the organ sound, my number three is the Bang of the Hounds. Ooh. Which is really weird because I always get it fucking mixed up with Beneath the Mire because there's the fucking whole middle section of Bang of the Hounds. Do, 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 do. And he, the, the fucker, like one of the first things he says is Beneath the Mire. And I'm like, what the fuck song am I listening to? Because Beneath <laughs> the Mire is right after this. But the reason this one goes over Beneath the Mire is because Beneath the Mire, like, while I love, love the fucking organ on the intro, I don't like where the song goes. This one, I do like where the song goes. But this fucking down and out to candle cat to candle out to candle cat to candle out to candle cat to that shit almost the way the organ fucking down and like it almost reminds me of Dirty Laundry by fucking Don Henley which I fucking love that song mostly because the fucking little organ sound and this is like a metal version of that it's really weird because Ghost Ghost Reveries while I think it is their fucking peak for sure man it's not my favorite album because. There's a lot of fucking stuff on there I'm not really that big on. But the stuff that I, like, like there's some really standout shit on there. Like, mm -hmm. obviously, Grand Conjuration. Atonement is really good. It's just, it's almost not even like an Opet song to me because it's such a different mood. And and there's such a mood band for me. Ooh. But Bang of the Hounds Beneath the Mire, I kind of, what's the first track? Ghost Reveries, right? Is that the first track? I think so. With the weird, it starts off with that ding, ding, ding on the guitar. Yeah, I, I mean, that one's, you know, and I mean, they got a couple, like, the soft things that are just like, ah, man. Like, those, they're really fucking, like, interlude soft things. Like, yeah, yeah. they're really fucking hit or miss, yeah. dude. You know what's funny about that album is it's one I don't reach for all the time as an entire album. I'll cherry pick songs, right? But it's like when I decide, okay, I'm just going to put the whole thing on. There's certain ones you just never think of that when you hear them, you're just like, oh, yeah, this is good, too. Right. You know what I mean? And even the fucking it's the little interlude things or the little mellower things, even the, like it, like we said, it is the fucking height of their fucking like metalist and proggiest mm -hmm. shit. Like, it's the mass culmination of all that. Yeah, and it, there's a lot of dynamics in between the two that they explore in a way they hadn't previously, you know, in that album. And again, that was the only time they ever did it like that, and maybe 
That's what makes it so Yeah, I just love that fucking, I hear the bang of the hounds in the distance. Like, oh, it's so fucking good, dude. That's about it for that. I I mean, again, it's really fucking hard with this band. I mean, I can't sit there. I could sit there and be like, oh, wait, I need to listen to this fucking song real quick. Normally we do that, and it's like you listen to a little bit, you scrub a little bit forward, you scrub a little bit forward, you got the whole fucking thing, and you can fucking talk about, oh, yeah, this this song, and you talk about it. This band... You know what occurred you to me? You can't really do that. Yeah, you gotta, especially you got 20 minutes. You gotta, yeah. Especially if you're in the band and you're just like, okay, man, I need to not forget any part. Right. You know what I mean? I've like, always wondered how fucking, like, you know, the, like the super fucking brutal bands, like the brutal death stuff, like, how do they remember what the fuck they're playing? Uh, yeah. I had a friend that was like, oh, they're just playing fucking nonsense. I'm like, yeah, but they're all doing it at the same time. Yeah, it's cohesive. They're nonsense. all playing the same fucking thing, the yeah. same nonsense thing at the same exact time. That means there's some kind of structure there. Mm-hmm. It's a, just a different level of remembering or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. But I also wonder that with this stuff, too. I mean, Even though it's way catchier, yeah, it's just like, how do you remember? Because this part could go in this song, and this song, and this song. I think it's just so, the sheer abundance of parts, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I could see why they might want to be like, you know what, man? Maybe let's play a different fucking type. Yeah. What if we took one or two of those parts out? You know what I mean? <laughs> just try it. I don't know. Okay, so you listen to new stuff all the time. Is it, is it much simpler? The new stuff? No, it's just prog. <laughs> Crazy it's a, uh, it's still dense. Yeah. Although, um, but are the songs still long as fuck? And oh yeah, oh for sure. Uh, I think Pale Communion was the most like struck, well structured. I think uh, Heritage was just like too out there. I didn't care for Sorceress, but I don't think it's bad. It's just like of their prog records, that's the one I I almost never listen to Sorceress. I can remember things from Heritage and Pale Communion. I can't remember anything off Sorcerers. I remember it being like, okay, it's cool, but that's about it. I mean, I've definitely heard Heritage the most out of the newer things because I listened to it quite a few times when it first came out. And yeah, it is out there, and it was not really a fave to listen to. I've listened to the newest one one time. I actually thought it was pretty good. I didn't listen to the Swedish version, though. I don't know if I've ever heard... I think I've only listened uh, to the Swedish version. Sorceress. Sorceress, it starts with this really just goopy fucking riff on the uh, on the keyboard. Goopy is a great word. I don't know what that means, but it's a great it's, word. It's... But I mean, that's I think when Sorceress came out, like I mean, I already kind of knew, like okay, well they're changing their thing or whatever. So like I'm not, you know, and I've got plenty of other shit to listen to, so it's not a big deal. But I also think probably I didn't listen to because I've heard most people say the same thing you did it was like oh it's definitely not my favorite of those and and uh i know a lot of people that don't like that one although you know what's weird is that those two sorcerers and heritage those are definitely two of the more disliked but i've heard nothing but massive massive amounts of praise for that newest one and then pale communion i don't think i've ever heard anybody really talk about it very much it's mm-hmm. It seems like that's the one people like the most out of the past four. It seems like that. Because I've heard a lot of people say they like New One or they're just, it's too weird for them in a lot of cases. It's, uh, Pale Communion is just like, it's not the best Opeth record, but it's just a great prog record. I can see that. Nice. Like, if you took the Opeth label off of it, it would still be like, it would stand up on its own. But not as an Opeth record. I can see that. There's a video for one of the songs, right? Where he's all, it's super keyboard heavy and 
Michael's doing his thing or whatever. I don't don't remember. When we come to the top ten, if it's not on there, maybe I'll do some investigation on my own. But it's not like, you know, they're not... I wonder if there's any weird videos for the new album. Because if it's got to match the tone of that new album, it's got to be weird, too. I'll have to look into that. Anyways, you would think, anyway. Yeah. Number three, my man. Number three. I'm going with Bleak off of Blackwater Park. Good choice. Yeah, yeah. It just... Talk about evocative of, of emotion in, in, a, in an image, man. Just... That fucking first fucking beating that he said. Yeah, man. That fuck the. Yeah. There's so many moving parts and they all work together so fantastic. It's my number two. Yeah, oh, there you go. <clears throat> Shit like that beginning part is why Michael's at the top of my list as far as growlers. They just, just uh, especially when he just lets it ring out like that and it just, it's a mood piece. In the most moody way, dude. Like that, anytime I listen to that album, I just think of fog. Even in like the brightest part of the day, I just yeah, think fog. Yeah, I think of fog too, but I can listen to this one any fucking time. Yeah. Any. This is one song of theirs I don't have to be in the mood to listen to. You know what? I was on a whole kick before last night of. Like, Devious movement. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that in a sec. I was going to say, like, because like, I was like, fuck it, dude. I'll look up some of the lyrics. Did he do it again? Yeah. Fucking Larry. Larry. Uh, Larry the water dog. Anyways, like I was like, oh, I'll look up the lyrics for, for each album. And it's just like, man, he talks about Mist a lot. And, and, <laughs> and. and oh, yeah, so you're talking not the game. Yeah, no, no, no. Right. Rest in peace. He's just like, he did specifically. Mist. Wasn't the first song on, um, on Orchid is like, she stood in the mist or something yeah. like that. It's yeah. just, he always refers to a woman too, but never mentions her by name unless it's the same woman in, uh, in Still Life, but I don't know that it is. Keeps it pretty ambiguous otherwise. So I, I, it was like, up to Still Life, I just stopped looking up the lyrics. No, that's not true. I looked up the lyrics for the song Blackwater Park because I heard it had a weird, scary story vibe or whatever. But like, like thinking about like, I have never looked up the lyrics for Bleak or any of those other songs that I listen to all the time. It's the ones that I listen to all the time that I don't know the words for. So I'd be curious to know that. But yeah, dude, after transitioning from all the growling stuff to the the clean stuff he does on that song is is awesome. A lot of people I think tend to think of that beginning part, but the rest of the song is awesome all the way through. Oh yeah, man! Like when that trend, that riff transitions, I'm like down, 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 like, and he hits that fucking devious movements, like fuck, dude, it's butter, dude. Yeah, yeah, so fucking smooth. Good way to describe it, man. Sick. So when I was talking about Dirge for November, how it starts off really mellow and then it gets heavier, this one starts off pretty fucking heavy, and actually ends off quite a bit lighter. Yeah, it, um, it never breaks down into a full, like, acoustic vibe or anything like that either, right? It kind of stays pretty consistent all throughout as far as, as what I can remember. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Let me grab a paper towel <laughs> real quick. douchey real fast. So, yeah, we're at number two. Dave, what do you got? So, number two for me is Air Apparent off of Watershed. Nice. Like, the intro is just so fucking oppressive, and then they get into that riff. Mm-hmm. So good, dude. Yeah, and how it seamlessly flows in from the the first song to yeah. Oh god, it just 
That's that's one of those songs that like I've got the stank face on like yeah, the entire yeah, time yeah. I'm listening. For just sure. like, oh god. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah. I feel that. That's that's one. Of, you know, each of these albums has a very specific flow to it, and the way that Watershed starts off and kind of. I wouldn't say it dips down, but it definitely like the the tone changes somewhere in the middle. You know. Even is it burden into porcelain harder? Is there? I feel like there's a few songs similar to burden back to back. Whether it's before or after porcelain heart, I can't remember. It's uh, the track list for that album is uh, the coil, air apparent, lotus mm-hmm. eater, burden, porcelain heart, hessian peel, hex omega. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Is hessian peel and hex omega next to each other? That's another, yeah. It's another one. Is it seven tracks? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's one of those ones where it's like there's not a lot of songs on it, but the the ones that are long are long enough to where it's like, hey, this is an album. You yeah. Know this I mean? is still an hour long album. Yeah, but uh, it is an interesting flow. When I hear it out loud like that, I was like, okay, so it's not you know, it's seven dense for the most part, but what you know, there's a a function to the flow of the the way those songs go together. You know, so I dig it. And yeah, it's definitely another. I always bring up mood a lot when I bring up this band, but it definitely like. Once it kicks in, you definitely, like, yeah, you know what I mean? It reminds me, not entirely dissimilarly, of, uh, you remember on the Lamentations DVD, when it's the when it's the mellow half, everybody's just kind of sitting there watching, right on. And then when they come back <laughs> on, much, you know dude. what I mean? It's just like, all right, and then, then, like, and then all of a sudden, when they come back off for that second set, and they got the, uh, the, the amps ringing, and yeah. then Master's Apprentice kicks in, there's people full-on moshing, and they were like that. Oh, now it's done. All yeah, right, go, like, go, people go, go, go. were waiting for that, man. But that's yeah. how you would, that, that's how you should, well, I guess there's no wrong way to do that, because it's like, you could really build up the anticipation and then kick in your heavy set and everybody's just fucking ready to kill each other. Or you could definitely fucking chill everybody out at the end of your fucking show. Although I think probably the better way to do it would be to like uh, mellow first then end it off on the heavy stuff. That's yeah, why I personally I think that. for a show it's always better to end with the heaviest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'll keep people there. Yeah. I remember uh, the second time I saw Mashuga. I don't know if this was intentional or not, but it seems like they started with the slowest song. And then they, you know, each one built up a little more, and then they ended with Future Breed Machine. So you can just figure out the scale between that and that. Whatever that first song off of Nothing is, is that Stegna or whatever? Yeah, that's Stenga or Stenja. Stenga. Yeah, so they started with that and then uh, ended with Future Breed Machine, and every song in between that got heavier and faster and whatnot. That's another episode for another day. What are we on? Two. Two. Okay, cool, cool, cool believe that is you good sir i already said my two i was testing you no you weren't i know liar lies all lies i love lies but on that note i'm going uh drapery falls off of blackwater park too i I noticed when i like was rearranging these i was like oh i do these songs i guess i really uh, like blackwater park yeah but also like like the way i (laughs) put the songs into blocks because i was like oh shit that's two from ghost reveries two from blackwater park okay Again, evocative. I use that word a lot this episode, but it is, man. It just really, again, with the, you just see the fog rolling in as you're listening to it, and like, it really, they, that that album art is perfect for this. For this oh album. yeah, I mean, dude, really, for sure. Yeah, I mean, just I can't think of a better actual song to have started their set with than that, dude. Especially because it was weird because it was like two in the afternoon in July or whatever. You know what I mean? So it was very. 
a day in the park kind of vibe, and I think that that really sets it. Especially because that starts off considerably mellow, and then it gets heavier as it goes on. And that first half, I'm not gonna do it again. But this is the fucking goddamn sailing fucking song. It's the sailor song. I fucking don't like it. <laughs> do you not like um, Moonshield off of Jester Race either for the same reason? There's parts of Moonshield. Yeah, I mean, I don't like. I don't like that song in particularly. Does it remind you of a pirate ship? Yeah. Yeah. Sailing. <laughs> There's that 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 seafarer swing. <laughs> That's just definitely not my jam. Oh man, sorry. Now you got me thinking. Like, like. Well, that's why I got a lot of folky stuff I don't like because it has a lot of kind of that, those fucking little swing. Yeah. But it's it's a it's a particular type of swing. It's the. You got the uh, mug of uh, rum in one hand. Right. Yep, it's yep, yeah. Yep. It's the fucking <laughs> sea way. Fucking you know reminds. Me, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the ocean. I love being at like a port or a harbor and stuff like that. It's just you don't like pirates. All right, fine. I don't like pirates. <laughs> that's the, no, that's I, I, no, I, well, yeah, I don't like pirates. I didn't finish Black Sails all the way. I mean, I started it. I watched quite a bit of it, but I didn't finish it. No, like, I mean, it's just the fucking, those types of, I don't know. There's, there's just something, because, like, even there's some songs on, like, The Hobbit and, like, fucking Lord of the Rings where I'm just like, no. I feel you. No. It's just this weird, folky swing type of melody that I just, Fucking can't deal with Is dude. Kind of feel. I, I, it's yeah, a little bit. It's it's a lot of that. It's a lot of the fucking. I don't know. What did I say before? There was a in the sleep songs. It's like a fucking. It reminds me of an Old Spice commercial. Mm, okay. <laughs> or the fucking. Oh, you know what? Lighthouse. <laughs> There's so like there's lighthouse vibes, you know what I mean? Yeah. What looking it's, forlorn it's, into the mist, you know, <laughs> looking against the ocean. There's just a certain kind of fucking sound that has like this sailing or not sailing, but like sailor, mm-hmm. like an old fisherman. In fact, more than a sailor, like a fisherman type song, a fisherman type, sw- and it's it's generally there's a swing to it, and I just fucking don't like it. Anyway, back to you liking it. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> no, but it, it, it's that whole, the whole fucking thing is just a very, I you know, it's a different song, but bleak outlook kind of song. I, I dig it, man. Like that, because, uh, fucking, uh, what's the first song on Blackwater Park? Blackwater Park? Leperfinity? Leperfinity, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like how different that is to, I mean, it sets the tone, but like, Bleak Harvest and uh, Drapery Falls... And I guess everything that comes after that, but those songs specifically kind of carry a very consecutive mood, you know what I mean? It's I fucking love those songs. Damn. Now you got me thinking about pirate stuff all of a sudden and I wasn't prepared for that. Do you like <laughs> I'm guessing you don't like uh Hailstorm either, right? No, dude, no. I'm not I'm not particularly like fond of them either. I just think it's funny that their whole thing is pirates to a fault. And they put so much time into that aesthetic and that vibe and their theme. And then when they played Warp Tour they were just in regular clothes. You know what I mean? Like what? Yeah, dude. When they played Warp Tour, they were just in regular clothes, and Homeboy still had his uh, guitar. Dude, I would be so mad. 
Dude, if you play shit like that, you better be in character, dude. Yeah, yeah. No, they just dressed in, in like, you know, shorts and, and, and sleeveless tanks. Oh, that's another reason to not like them. Yep, I yep, never yep. liked Ailstorm, but I did like Swashbuckle. Swashbuckle's legit. But, but they're like, just like thrash metal. Yeah, they don't, all they sing about is pirate shit. Like, like it's not like they're not doing the, and, they, and their costumes are cool. And now the bass player's in Zombie Apocalypse, and he does backup vocals, and it sounds fucking sick against the other two singers. Check that shit out. I think we're at that time. Dave, you ready for your number one? My number one, my favorite Opeth song is The More off of Still Life. Nice. Good choice. I listen to Still Life all the fucking time. This, like, I have hundreds of plays on this album at this point. I think if I see, if I go to a show and I see somebody with an album cover shirt of Opeth, that's the one I see the most. Like, I fucking love Still Life, but The More is just like... I think really, they could have just released the more, and it like I think it really captures like everything that they're going for, uh, going for in that album. For sure. And then Nick, speaking about the art cover or art, art cover cover art again. Like, I love the fucking look of this album cover. Yeah. yeah. Like the the fucking red. It is one of their fancier ones. It's one of their different ones. It's not so dreary. It's not monochromatic. Each one. Black yeah. and white or gray, you know what I mean? And this is the one that's red. And Even though a, it's the same kind of picture. Like, if you took yeah. the album cover and made it black and white... It would be the same. It would yeah. totally work for their whole fucking career, basically. That's the only one with a person in it, huh? Like, like a very clear-cut person. Orchid's a flower. The uh, Morning, Morning Rise is, is like a bridge. A... My Arms, Your Hearse is just like a swamp or something, right? Isn't it like a fucking... It almost reminds me of like a mausoleum... Yeah, it's something, but like like like, by, that, like beside a lake or something. I thought. Yeah, it? something. Yeah, um, but but still life. There's an honest to god like woman in a cloak or something there, and then everything else after that is kind of taken and go or whatever. But um, I always assume that woman's Melinda. Yeah, me too. I was just gonna say yeah. It's, there's got to be a a precedent to that. But like, there's the there's the what do we call that vignette version of the original, but then the re-release with the remaster and all that's a very deep. Very vibrant red in a, in a very different way. I dig it. The Another thing about the aesthetic matching the music, and I feel like it kind of matches the malicious tone of the story about, like, you know, we're going to burn your shit to the ground kind of vibe. Yeah. Like it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. I, I think that, I mean, for me, this is, like, my second favorite album of theirs. And, yeah, I mean, this is, like, dude, this fucking song is just fucking... Oh. So good, dude. I mean, yeah, I could see where. Well, so the thing that got me thinking, like, well, got me listening to the album even more was because I thought, like, oh, you know, Blackwater Park is like where it's at. Like, that's the fucking one. I mean, that's the first one I heard, like, all that. But it wasn't until, like, quite a ways later. I started hearing more and more people fucking talk about this one being better than Blackwater Park. And I was like, no fucking way, dude. And then I fucking listened to it. I'm like, fuck, dude. It's pretty fucking close. There's still some songs on Blackwater Park. I don't like, obviously, there's some stuff on this one. But I think, I mean, I'm it's neck and neck for me. Like, yeah. And a lot of it is this song. It's Face Melinda. It's Be Knighted. Like, oh, fuck, man. So fucking killer. Solid choice all around. Jason. My number one has been my number one for a while. It is fucking Deliverance. I think the fucking... No, 
and it's got the running high guitar over top of it. But the fucking biggest, the kicker for me every fucking time is that fucking ending part, man. That fucking... That's so fucking awesome, dude. Like... I was listening to it like last night and I was like, man, I was trying to count how many times they do it. <laughs> Could I require they the play that time? part for a long fucking time. Yeah. Man, this has got to be in the running for like one of the longest in, uh, longest outro <laughs> riffs ever, dude. You know, it's got the fucking slide, the slide guitar. The yeah. I was going to say, after they do that, part two for a long time. Oh, yeah. And then the middle part is that they got the fucking part of yeah. Like, it's like this weird, like, fucking 70s slash 80s vibe, almost like a Queen style fucking thing going on. But yeah, that fucking. Yeah, they. And it's. It's one of those riffs. I mean, I think that's why it works because this is one of those riffs I can just listen to forever. Yeah. And they play it forever, and it's fucking <laughs> great, dude. Like I fucking love it. I know it's got to be close to on your. So it's got. It's got to be number one, right? <laughs> I knew it. I fucking knew it, man. I mean, so I talk about. I heard bits of Blackwater Park, and that's what made me like them. I heard this song, and it made me fucking love them, dude. To me, that's still the clear cut example of like. The two parts of their sound that, that make them what they are and then the coming together of them at the same time all in the same song, you know? The the first part is that super heavy, double bassy, morbid angel if they listen to a little more yes, perhaps, you know what I mean? Right. And then devolves into this super smooth, really tranquil, relaxing, quiet passage, you know what I mean, with the cool... He's like slightly above whisper singing, you know what I mean? And then when they come together and it's the... It's the heavier guitar with that. It's so his vocals, they're not like Halford soaring, but like compared to what they were before, he's just like, there's a little more oomph to him. You know what I mean? So how the different parts and the, you know, if you divide this song up into parts, there's a lot to work with, but how those parts flow into each other and it's arguably the most cohesive example of it, dude. That like, to I, me is what makes it too, man. I mean, yeah. it all, yeah, I mean, a lot of their stuff flows together really well, especially as they go on. Mm-hmm. But like this. one of the things with a prog band is the fact that you do kind of just everything makes sense because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't have to make sense. Right. So obviously, some songs flow together better than others. This, yeah, this one definitely like from start to finish. It's immaculate, dude. I fucking love it. That, that I, <laughs> I'm sure if there was some breakdown of like like if you could see the play counts of all the songs, this one would outshine them all. You know what I mean? Like. Well, maybe not um, because of Damnation, but I mean, like that—that's a whole album listen. You know what I mean? Yeah, why like, don't they have that? Like stats? I'm sure they do in some way. I know they did on iTunes, but you'd have to be like listening to it on iTunes all the time. Well, yeah, like your iPod or whatever. But I mean, Spotify should have like I should be able to search Opeth and it should fucking give me like here's your breakdown of the Opeth songs you've listened to the most. Yeah. Did you notice the interface on uh, iPhone changed for Spotify again? Yeah. It's oh, weird. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna have to get used to that again. But I mean that yeah that's that should be a fucking thing because I one I don't. This is almost one of those ones where it's like you just love it so much you don't listen to it a whole lot. Like I'm pretty sure I probably listen to fucking you know Bleak or you know, fuck even Harvest or anything off Damnation. I, I mean I probably listen to fucking fuck Death Whisper Whispered a Lullaby 
I love that fucking song. Probably more than any other Opeth song. I'm sure I've listened to that more than any other Opeth song. But this this is the one where it's like, fuck, dude. Like, I, you throw this one. If I want a heavier Opeth song, I'm going to, you know, hey, I want a heavier one. Like, this is what I'm listening to all the every best fucking parts, time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even though, like, the, the, the mellow parts are, like, the most minimal. Do you think, do you think awesome. more people would pick this over Master's Apprentices or vice versa? I think Deliverance. Really? See, I think this is total music nerd shit. Like, this song, right? This song is a full bore, like, music nerd fucking. I do too. I'm just saying. It's like, a pocket protector for the fucking music nerd, yeah, dude. Like, b- because I'm also <laughs> thinking, like, Master's Apprentice, like, the whole song's awesome, but people just think of that one part. You know what I mean? Right. But Deliverance, every, you're thinking about every fucking part. You yeah, know what I, mean? I mean, there's definitely that. Yeah. And again, they're True. both awesome. And that's the thing, too, man. Like, the release, Deliverance itself, is awesome. You just don't think of most of the songs. You just think of one or two. You know what I mean? But it's just because those fucking songs are so gnarly, you know, awesome. And the others are just kind of Yeah, because there's stuff like By the Pain I See in Others. It's, that, is that the... It's not. I mean, it's whatever. No, I'm thinking of For Absent Friends, the uh, the instrumental break. For, for the by the... That's the last song, right? It is. It's good too. Yeah. But like, and that weird little effect on his on his growls uh, yeah. in the verses. But I mean, it's not gonna. It's not. Fuck. That is a good song. Now I'm thinking playing it the rest of my head. That fucking rise to something sure. Fucking. Ah, oh, damn. That is good. But you know what I mean. Like you don't think of that. No, it's it's these two. This one in particular, but I mean even, Masters of Princes. I mean they, they outshine Wreath. They outshine, outshine a fair judgment, mm-hmm. you know, and by the pain I see in others. I mean, I think all three of those songs are pretty fucking good, but they're not even close to what fucking Deliverance and Masters Apprentices are doing. No, absolutely. All right, it's a bummer. I never got to see them play Deliverance live, but at this point, I don't know that I would. So have either of you listened to Garden of the Titans, the fucking live album they have on Spotify? Is that no. the one they did at Red Rocks? I guess. I don't have Spotify. Mm. Oh they, no! It's because like, they they start off a sorceress, but then they go into Ghost of Perdition. Because I remember that being that's a big the thing. fucking song. It's not Ghost Reveries. It's Ghost of Perdition. Ah, um, cheeky bastards. And then it's like a newer song, and then it's in my time of need, and then the Devil's Orchard, yeah. Cusp of Eternity, Air Apparent Era, and then Deliverance is what they end with. And I've never listened to it. I I haven't either. I remember Ray. And oh Josh. yeah, it says live at Red Rocks. Yeah, so. and there and there's a picture. It's in the picture of Red Rocks Amphitheater. The, uh, That's I can barely even see that picture. Yeah, uh, but I mean, like it's recognizable. The uh, I remember Josh and uh, Ray and Kevin went out for their fat show. It was them, Devin Townsend, and uh, Gojira, which sounds awesome. And yeah, Opeth's recorded their set and put it out. So that's the thing now, man. I love Michael's voice, but I, I think we might have covered this on the, the Growlers episode. Like, like it's either he just doesn't give enough of a shit or like he just can't do it anymore, but like the potency of, of it is not there anymore. So to hear him like kind of struggle through those parts now is rough it's like they put out the two bloodbath dvds the first one is is vakken in 2005 when he's at like the peak of it and it sounds awesome and then they do another one it might be a bloodstock or something but like like he's just uh, and i'm like oh no <laughs> like like it sounds like that dude and uh, i'm just like oh what happened dude uh, so like like it's he either, got older man he's not that young i mean not like 20 i know yeah. but just like uh so it's just like yes okay please because I, I thought i heard that they were not gonna growl in the songs anymore for opeth and they were just gonna like sing them and that's clearly not been the case if you've looked at years and years of them still performing those songs live so mm-hmm. like 
I'm glad I saw them when I did, even if it was only for four songs, and it was the four songs they played rather than other ones I would have liked to have heard, but it was still awesome. Right. I wouldn't want to see them now for that reason, amongst others. It's just... It's like it's like watching Jerry Lewis in his final years after he had that stroke or whatever, and he's just kind of, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, I don't want to see Elvis. it like this. Yeah, I don't. You know what I mean? Like, because that's the thing. Everything else sounds fine. It's just when they get into those when they get into those growl sections, it's like. It doesn't sound awful. It's just like compared to how it did sound, you know. Well, what I mean? a lot of fucking like metalcore, deathcore, death metal, black metal. Like a lot of those fans, at some point, are gonna have to deal with the fact that they're not probably not gonna be going and seeing those bands at the casino when they're fucking seventy years old. It's just not gonna happen. Right. But like, like good for them for still going. Obviously, there's a demand for that music still. And like, oh yeah, I mean, you know. right it till the wheels fall off. I mean. But yeah, there's there's a point, man, where those dudes' voices are just gonna fucking break down, or the guitar players, the dexterity's not gonna be there. It's difficult music to play. It's it's difficult music to perform. It's, it, I mean, especially for vocals, man. Like vocals and drums. Lars Ulrich has to change the well, drum yes, parts to that, play. That see, now. that's the other part too. Like, would the drummer be able to continue to play? And it's just like, man, I mean, at some point. Everybody that likes extreme music is going to have to realize, you know, yeah, as you get older. You can really only do this when you're young. Yeah. I mean, you could do it well into your fucking 50s and 60s, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some people that can do it. But, I mean, especially especially Not everybody singers. ages gracefully. Yeah. And, uh, especially singers. don't generally have the most... Um, healthy of, of lifestyles life. yeah that too that too that does take a fucking massive toll yep hey man christopher lee all the way to 96 or whatever <laughs> good on him fucking a hell yeah that's our episode on opeth yes it is let us know what your favorite era album song is do you like the new stuff better than the old stuff like hit us up man uh, I'm at yes it is I David on all the socials. Jason's all over the place, but you can find him mostly on our uh, social pay, or yeah our social stuff with the Metalist Pod on Twitter, Metalist Podcast on everything else. Hit us up, rate us, review us, subscribe us, like us, follow us, do all that good stuff. Just say hi to us. We like to talk to you, friendly people. Share a post. Yeah, a lot of shares. Or not a post. Share an episode to your friends, man. Yeah. Let us know what your favorite episodes are so far. Let us know what episodes you'd like to hear. Talk to us. I'd like to think we're friendly enough people for the most part. Until next time, eat your veggies. Hold on. What's the Spotify top ten? Good call. I was testing you again. Spotify top ten as of today. We got Dignity off of uh, the new album at 1.6 million. Heart and Hand off the new album, 1.9 million. To Bid You Farewell off of Morning Rise, 2.7 that's a surprise to me. Wow. Yeah. Hope Leaves from Damnation, 3.5 million. Burden from Watershed, 5.7. Hmm. Ghost of Perdition off of Ghost Reveries, that's the one that's on here? Okay. 6.4 million. Uh, Eternal Rain Will Come off of um, Pale Communion, also 6.4, but it's like a little higher. And then from there, we have In My Time of Need off of Damnation, 6.9 million. Nice. By Far and Away. Window pane off damnation, eleven million. Proofs in the pudding. That's an interesting grouping of songs. 
Yeah, it's mostly the prog of your stuff, huh? It's mostly the prog and the soft with like yeah. Ghost of Perdition in there. Yeah, yeah, for well, sure. Well, Ghost of Perdition was, I think that was the big fucking single off of Ghost Reveries, too, if I remember right. That's the first song that they released. Grand Conjuration. That was the one that had the video, yeah. That's why I'm surprised. I'm like, the first one I heard was Ghost of Perdition. Like, I saw the, I, it wasn't a video, but I, like, fucking saw the track. Well, either way. It's but, good. yeah. Yep. Again. Thank you, up, David folks. Johnson. Yes, and thanks for joining us, Dave. Man. Can't wait to do this again. This is fun. Yep. You're pretty much off the grid as much as you can be, right? So you don't have, like, Yeah, I don't got any social media or anything no like that. No stuff to plug. You're a smart man. <laughs> no, dude. It's bad for my health. Fair enough. Bad hey. for my mind. Fuck yeah, dude. I wish more people realized that and would just step away. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need to do that from time to time. Yep, just look forward to hearing him here from time to time. Until then, now eat your veggies. Fuck your prayers. See you then. <laughs>